episode 263 of Mitch Unfiltered. Hot shot, Scott. This is episode clock management. How we doing? <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about this. You did? Yes. How would you guess? And I wish you all the very best. <laughs> you wish Pete Carroll all the very best, too. <laughs> How would you guess yeah. that I would bring up coaching malpractice that lost the game for the Seahawks against the Rams on Sunday? How would you ever, in your wildest imagination, think that I would bring up how NFL coaching staffs can be so fucking clueless? Yeah, what is that? In the simplest scenarios. I mean, this is peewee football. Do they call it peewee football? Pop uh, Warner football? What do they call it? Youth football. Youth I think football. Area, yes. There's not one coach in youth football in the state of Washington <laughs> yeah. that had they completed a pass to the 39-yard line with 27 seconds, and they were up to the line with 27 seconds to go and no timeouts, and you're looking at a 57-yard field goal from that point. There is no peewee football, Pop Warner football, youth football coach in the United States yeah. that wouldn't spike the ball at that point and stop the clock and say, all right, we got 25 seconds. Yeah. We can run a couple plays to get it close. There's not one peewee football yeah. coach. But Pete Carroll and his coaching staff are the only ones. Yeah. I'm, I'm blaming him now. I'm lashing out because yeah. it just happened. Maybe you tell me, no, 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 no. That's that's on Shane Waldron because he's in the headset. Or maybe you would tell me that that's Geno Smith who's making that decision as he runs down the field. I don't give a shit who it is. Yeah. How could any adult in professional football not know at 28, 27, 26 with no timeouts at the 39-yard line you stop the clock at that point. Yeah. You don't have enough time for four plays. You just waste a play, first down, and you stop the clock. Yeah. I, I swear they're the only people in the game, in the sport on any level, that don't know to do that. I mean, they could easily have you standing next to him the whole game. You'll leave him alone. They had a guy. Did you watch? There was a guy that was whispering him the whole time. They have a clock guy. Obviously, they do. I've never seen that guy in my life. I've never seen that guy in my life. PCP, Angel Dust. You ever seen what that does to kids? There was a guy, there was a, sl a slim, thin guy standing next me, to him, yeah. and he was complaining about the time, and he was talking to Pete Carroll about the clock. He's obviously his clock guy. So he does have a clock he guy. He must have a clock. There was a guy standing next to him in that last drive. I don't know who he is. Earned his money. Yeah, he did a hell of a job. <laughs> yeah, the clock guy did a great job. I don't know, man. Make no mistake about it. I'm not sitting here like blasting them for running the ball. They did run the ball for two yards, and they make it a 55-yard field goal. Yeah. If they want to run the ball after they clock it, after they get regrouped and there's 28, 27, if that's what they want to do, I wouldn't do that at, from the 39-yard line. I'd throw the ball. Of course, yeah. Throw the ball to try to get – I just need an, I just need an intermediate. I just need seven or eight or ten right. yards. I could, Even with no timeouts at 26, 27 seconds after you stop the clock, you've got your whole playbook pretty much. Yeah. You don't have to worry about running out of time. I guess a long ball like – 27 yards down the field that ends up in the middle of the field may not give you enough time to get up and spike. But for the most part, you've got 95% of your playbook. You can run it. You can run it into the middle. You can run it wide. You can run a screen pass. You can run a slant to DK. You can run something to Tyler Lockett. You could use a tight end. You could throw to the running back out of the backfield. You can do anything you want. And really, all you're looking for from the 39-yard line, what are you looking for? 10. 10 gets you to the 29, and now it's a 40, It's a 47-yard field. He's been making those in his sleep. Anything in the 40s feels good at that point, yeah. And yet, 
You get the completion of freaking DK Metcalf, oh, yeah. and you get up to. Have you seen my? You get up to the line, and there's 28. Everybody's organized. It's 28, 27, 26. Yeah. And you don't stop the clock, and you just run the ball into the middle of the line and settle for a 55-yard field goal. Yeah. What? <laughs> what am I watching? This is like somebody trying to convince me that two plus two is not four. Yeah, I know. This silly. is so simplistic. I don't get it. Somebody please explain to me what it all comes down to Pete Carroll. I mean, he's in charge. He's the boss. That's right. Yeah. So he's got to take the bullet on this. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know. Is it him? Is it Shane Waldron who's yelling into the headset of Gino as he's racing down the field after the completion of DK Metcalf? Is it an offensive coordinator who's make, who's calling a play right there? Or is Gino because there's not enough time and there's a lot of confusion? Does he run up? And, I, I don't care who it is. This is this is mal. They, they they just gave the fucking game away. Yeah, they just gave it away here after three and a half out here. Just take it. If there is just confusion, then why not? That's even a better reason to just spike it so you can regroup and get a play in that you like. Or if it's if there is it's, confusion, as you said, it's, it's, I don't get it's it. It's clock management one hundred and one. Right. There is That's no right. there's no other possible choice. Yeah. To make in that situation, maybe the none because the head coach is kind of new to the league and new to. F- oh Stop wait, it. he's only the Stop oldest, it. most seasoned coach in the league. I don't understand. And he still can't figure it out. I know. I, I don't oh, know. You don't stop the clock. Just stop it and huddle. <laughs> And, nice. and, and look at the sheet and look at both sides of the sheet and yeah. figure out what do we like here? What do we want to run here? We're at the thirty-nine. Maybe we can make it from 56, 57 yards, but we don't have to because we're at the 39 and we've got 25 seconds still left. Plenty of we time. Can, plenty of time. You yeah. can run two plays. You got Lockett and Metcalf too. Like what we're just, the fuck? Just take them what out of the I game. What am I watching? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm with you. I think if what you, am I watching? If you're Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, you're just thinking, okay, there's 25 seconds left and neither of us even get targeted. Like there's nothing for either of us. Just a dumb run and then a field goal. Like, you're just going to take us out of the game with 25. Right after DK makes that great catch over the middle and he he didn't taunt anybody or get a penalty. We were happy I, for him. I hope I'm not <laughs> going to turn on the TV after we record this and have somebody trying to explain to me the benefit of doing what they did. If somebody tries to explain this to me, I swear. <laughs> you know, you're not open-minded. Whatever vehicle I'm watching or listening to, <laughs> if it's a radio, it's going out the window. If it's a TV, an expensive TV, I'm pulling it right out of the house. I'm throwing it out there. I hope nobody is going to actually attempt <laughs> to say, Mitch, no, 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 you've got it wrong. Here's why you don't clock it at 25, 26 seconds in that situation. I don't have an explanation. I, I dare somebody to even try to, <laughs> yeah. try to try to explain it to me. I wish you were at the press conference. I wish you were in L.A. Uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Coach, hand in the air. Well, that's when you don't even ask. Why would you even ask? Yeah. What's to ask? Except what the what the yeah, fuck I mean, were you guys doing? That's what you asked. What are you yeah. doing? Why did you not clock it? What, what are was, you doing? What was the plan with 25 seconds left? Maybe they thought, oh, we'll catch him here, and Charbonnet will break through for 8 or 10 yards, and it's safe, and we don't throw an interception here. Okay, as I said to you, okay, you can do that. On the play after you spike the ball, can't you? Yeah. That's that that option remains an option, doesn't it? Unless he that thought play? maybe maybe the Rams weren't set and there was you know they could catch him slipping or I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I'm I trying to come up with something. There's but. no explanation. That is absolutely coaching malpractice yeah. at its finest. And you can love Pete Carroll all you want. You can hate Pete Carroll all you want. You can admire him for bringing the Super Bowl. You can admire his coaching staff. But this is, I mean, let's not, 
let's not sugarcoat this. This is a constant problem at the end of halves and at the end of games that's going on 12 years. Yep. In the midst of all of his winning and all of his playoff teams yep. and all of his success, whatever success he's had, time after time after time, we're left banging our freaking heads against the wall because they can't figure out literally peewee football clock management, youth football clock. This is not sophisticated. No, I don't. This is not complicated stuff. Right. <laughs> this is it's right in front of you. Right. Yeah, I mean, when DK caught that, weren't you like excited? Like, oh, of course, shit, we got a chance the same, now. It was the same play as last week. It was the same slant that he ran last week that he got away oh, yeah. and got closer and and, yeah, and yep. Myers came in and kicked the field goal. It was the same play. I was calling for it. Yeah. I was in there with Brett Cole. Here comes the slant. Here comes the slant. Here comes the slant. Oh, my God. What a game. What a what weird a game. game. Oh, it was just I don't bizarre. know if it's a what a game. You don't think it was bizarre oh, and weird? It was just a lot coming in. Painful in the second half. Painful but, in the second half. But clearly, Gino wasn't hurt bad enough to stay out the whole time. Well, he like, had tears, man. He was he was uh, struggling when when he had that ice pack on and and Drew Locke was in the in the game, there were cutaways of him literally tearing up. Yeah. I don't know if that was because he was so upset and emotional for not being able to be in there or whether he was hurting, but I don't know whether it was adrenaline, but it, he came he he made a couple of really nice throws. Now he missed the throw on the sideline, the second throw. DK Metcalf, it was a long throw on the yeah. sidelines. DK Metcalf was wide open, standing his, there, and his, he threw it out of bounds. His but. first two throws didn't look good at coming out of his hand. He, he didn't look right. Which ones? When he, his first drive back on the final drive. You think? The ball was a little wobbly. Oh, but, maybe. I but didn't notice that. I that, didn't notice that. That third pass to DK, now that looked like Geno. That, that, that came zipping out. How but. about the earlier pass, to, not the earlier pass to Lockett? It was okay. In the middle of the field? Oh. Yeah, I mean, just, I didn't notice that it was a bad-looking pass. It looked different. I was, like, thinking, okay, maybe he shouldn't be out there. But then he zipped it. He zipped it to oh. DK. He's like, okay, now we're good. He's back. Let's go. This game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. And we got a short week, right? <laughs> this is Mitch Unfiltered, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, Mitch is climbing out the window. Onto if the you would have, and, and you're going to say to me, well, why would you make that bet if you're saying that Pete Carroll does this year after year, game after game, his coaching staffs bungle these things. But when he throws the ball to DK Metcalf, mm -hmm. And Metcalf makes the catch yeah. and goes down at the 39. And now everybody, now you have that like 10 seconds of everybody racing to the line. If you had stopped the world, stopped the world and said, Mitch Levy, how much would you bet right now that they're going to clock the ball? They're mm -hmm. going to stop or they're going to run a pass play, not a run play, a pass play where he, he looks for a, a receiver and then he throws it away or whatever. If you would have asked me how much I would bet on that, yeah. I would have bet my both of my sons, <laughs> yeah. every dollar I have, yeah. Your house. my mortgage, yeah. my savings, my IRA, my IRAs, my investment accounts. I would have bet every single thing yeah. that he would have either <laughs> God. clocked it or at least run a pass play where you're looking to make a play with the, the as you say, the defense is disheveled. Yeah, yeah. He looks to make a play. If a play's there, you make it. If not, you throw it away and you stop it that way. I would have bet everything I have that he was not going to stand there and then hand the ball off in the middle of the line. And that would be that. And that would be that. Yeah. And then settle for a 55-yard field. And you would have been homeless. I'd have nothing. You'd have nothing. Not even kids. No <laughs> dog. gave them away. No kid. Well, that, you know, that may not be so bad. <laughs> Episode 263. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Well, what, what's the future? I mean, I know we'll get into it, but we'll get what? into it. Okay. Mitch Unfiltered is available everywhere. Subscribe on any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, listen and rate us, review us, hopefully five stars. It really helps. If you're more into the regular shorter shows, then become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. Become a patron. $5 a month gets you our four shows each week with P shows with Danny O'Neill and shooting the shit with Slick and around the NFL with Randy Mueller and the Seahawks note table, Brian Nemhauser, Brady Henderson, all $5 a month. All you've got to do is go to MitchUnfiltered.com and become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. It's actually kind of an historic day. I know you know because you mm-hmm. you responded. I did. Five years ago today. To the day. To the wow. day. As we sit here, as I sit before you. That's amazing. Five years ago, episode one was released. Episode what? one of Mitch Unfiltered, which still I believe is important for a lot of people to hear. And somehow we'll re-rack it and get it out there. If you want to watch it or listen to it, you go to... You know, do a search and just say Mitch Unfiltered. You episode can find one. it. Yeah. Easy, easy to find. Yeah. yeah. Scroll for a little bit on the yeah. app, but you yeah. can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Episode one was five years ago today. And when you recorded that or, and then released it, did yes. you say, well, this will be good for about five years? No. Or did you say this will <laughs> no. be good for about 15 shows and then I'm going to quit? No. What did you think? No. I didn't know. Just had no clue. I had no clue. Hmm. It was Jason Hamilton and I. I, I wanted to do that first show. I thought it was an important show to do so that everybody could hear from me after all those years. And um, we did it. And I thought, uh, let's just keep going until Forrest Gump decides to stop his run. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, didn't ha- I don't know that I ever had a plan. There was no plan. Well, I mean, there was a small plan. I, I, I went to sponsors and we developed the, the Patreon thing for patrons mm-hmm. and it was a small plan. I didn't know how long I would do it. I, I guess if you would ask me if I would be doing it five years later, I wouldn't have been able to give you an answer. Did you know, by the way, a little trivia? Okay. And you might know this. Oh, boy. You may not. <laughs> that episode one was actually, which was five years ago today, mm-hmm. not the first Mitch Unfiltered podcast. Did you do like a test show or you something? Yeah, I remember There that. was an yeah. episode zero. Oh, right. There actually right. is out there. And it's going to be on this show. I'm actually putting it on this show. Oh, you are? The entire episode zero is going to be one segment of this show. How long is episode zero? I remember? haven't looked back. I think it's, I don't remember, like 20-some minutes? Oh, okay, yeah, so a little. Maybe 30 minutes? Gotcha. I don't know. It was a test. We didn't know what we were doing with the equipment. Jay Ham and I didn't know what we were going to do. <laughs> we didn't know how to edit it or yeah, yeah. post it or send it out on Apple. We didn't know how we were doing. So we did an episode zero, a test run. And it's actually fairly entertaining when you listen to okay. it. Okay. I'm yeah. in. So, yes. H- have you gone back and listened to episode one or is that too difficult for you to do? I haven't done it in a long time. But you have since you recorded it, listened to oh, it. Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. Was it rough? Oh, was it rough to listen back or yeah. rough to do it? Well, I know it was rough to do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. But to listen back, all right, is it something? Because sometimes I'll watch a movie, I'll, I'll say, that movie was awesome. I never need to see it again because it was like saving. Well, I thought that you once told me that you never listened to episode one or you turned it no, off. You couldn't take it. I think I got couldn't most. I got through emotional. a lot of it, but oh, it, was, you did. it was tough. I thought I remember you telling me you didn't. Maybe about half, about halfway oh, half through. half of it, yeah. But, you know, like Saving Private Ryan. You seen that movie? Fantastic. Yes, yes I don't know. I can't remember the last time I saw it. A well, long time ago. I'm like, yeah. I, like The Exorcist. I, it's good. Really? I, I don't need to see it again. Yeah, I'm more likely to go back and, and listen to Private Benjamin than Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Sure you are. <laughs> Nobody knows that reference. 
Um, Timely. Yeah, it's really hard to listen because I hate to hear myself that way. Yeah. It was a very vulnerable thing. But here's the thing. When I listened to it back, which was probably a year or two after I did it, I at that point knew the consequences and the reaction of the show, which was very, very, mm. very positive. Okay. When I was recording it, I had no idea what people right. were going to think. But after I recorded, and I think I've told you this, I got thousands, literally thousands of emails, many of which were from people who said, thank you for doing that. You helped me. I've had some rough patches in my life too. Yeah. And so many people reached out and said, you don't know what that episode meant to me. Mm. Yada, yada. So when I'm now listening to it a year or two years later, I have the benefit of knowing what the reaction I was. I see what it, you're saying. Okay. Which so, makes it a little bit sure easier on second guessing whether I should have ever done it or not. Gotcha. So, but thinking back to that time, I'm sure was, that was obviously a rough time oh for God, you. It was and horrible. Like, yeah. It was a horrible time. A living hell. And so you have to pull that bandaid off hard again. Forget me. How about my family yeah, right. and everybody? The, and I, I just remember I've told this, I, I know I've told you this story and I know I've told the story uh, on the show to you and to Jayham. I mean, and Jayham remembers all of this. We recorded that episode one. When I recorded it, it was not a guarantee that we were ever going to post it or ever do the podcast. We mm. did an episode zero to practice to make sure we could, if we wanted to. Yeah. And then I did episode one and it was really going to come down to my wife and my kids and my family. That's right. I remember that now. as to yeah. whether I was ever going to post that. Show. And they could have put the kibosh on it. if you wanted. And I thought, and I thought they probably would. Yeah. I, I had this conversation with my boys today. I remember putting the headsets on them five years ago, mm. which would have been five years ago, maybe two days ago, putting the headsets on them and playing the show for them and asking them if they're okay, how they feel about it, and if they're okay with me posting that. And they, the both of them said, definitely, Dad, put wow. it out there. We're proud of you. We're and then I remember my wife listening to it and having her family back in Washington, D.C., her brother, I think her mother and father, it was too painful for my wife to listen to in its entirety. She said, I want to hear from my family. So right. if you don't mind, I'm going to send this to my my mom, my dad, my brother, and see what they say. And they gave a thumbs up to it. That's when we decided to post it. But you can ask Jason. We did it. He walked out of here. He was half crying mm -hmm. and half like, what What just happened? Yeah. What, what, what was that? Right. And his wife listened to it before he posted it. Michelle. Okay. Michelle Hamilton listened to it. And there was a lot of like really hardcore contemplation as to should we do this or not. Yeah. And we did. And that was I kind of I'm the first time anyone had heard from you, right? I Correct. mean, you didn't do interviews. No. You didn't go on people's radio. No. You didn't do anything. No, no. So I wrote, I wrote one tweet. You did. I wrote one tweet at the time that the separation between me and KJR became official. I wrote, I wrote one tweet. Gotcha. Okay. And that's it. And that's it. That's it. So people were probably dying to just hear your side and hear what happened. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was big, man. I remember that was, I, I went running to see if I could make myself through it. Cause I wanted to hear it too. I wanted to hear from you. It'd been tough. a while and tough stuff. It was definitely raw. And if you and haven't tough. heard it, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I oh got, I never even heard episode one. I just yeah. go search it out and listen to it. Yeah. Maybe you want to hear it. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't want to hear it. I don't know. Um, anyway, kind of like this episode, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Anyway, beat the boys. Week 12 is coming up. Saints at Falcons is uh, game one that you'll have to pick. Steelers at Bengals is game two that you'll have to pick. And Bills at Eagles is game three. It's all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks to Fireside Home Solutions, $1,000 to the winner. The password for week 12 picks to be able to get into the computer to make the choices is thank you. It's Thanksgiving, Ah. so thank you. T-H-A-N-K-Y-O-U, all one word, all lower case. Oh, yeah, Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving hey! Week. Can you believe it? It's already here. Are you staying home, or do you guys go somewhere, or well, what's the plan? Uh, we, had, we had made plans to go to one of the popular Daniel's Broiler mm. locations Familiar and have a, family, have a family Thanksgiving until I realized, wait a second, the Seattle Seahawks happen to be playing on Thanksgiving evening, and yeah. I don't think I'm going out. So that was the end of that. Pretty good game, too. Well, it would have been even much better had yeah. they called timeout with 26 seconds. <laughs> or not called timeout. They spiked the ball with 26 seconds. Yeah. Uh, anyway, beat the boys. There you go. Password, thank you. Lowercase, all one word. Guests on this episode, 263. Mr. College Football Playoffs is back. We are now one week closer. And we need to explore after... Washington's close call victory over Oregon State and everything else that happened in the world of college football, including the the quarterback of Florida State University going down in a heap. Tragic, tragic injury for him. Changes everything about the college football playoff picture. I was thinking about that. If you were on the committee, Mitch Levy was on the committee. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Yes. And let's say Florida State continue. They say they they run the Got to put him in. Really? Even though, you know, they have a backup quarterback. Got to put him in. I I think you got to put him in. So you're just basing it off, look, these guys are 13-0 well, or whatever. Well, not they're going to get their asses kicked. Well, well, they're 11-0 now. Yep. And they've got a road game at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Right. And they've got... And Gainesville almost beat Missouri. Correct. Yeah. And, yeah, they've got, and, they, and they've got an ACC title game on a neutral field against Louisville, top 15 team. Yeah. So if they win those two games with their backup quarterback... Still a good team, I guess, yeah. I don't think there's any question. about. I don't think they'll win those two games. Mm. But I think, yes, the answer to your question is you cannot turn away, I don't think, a 13-0 Florida State after they win these two games with their backup quarterback because you don't think they're the team that they would be, which, of course, they're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know where that guy went to high school, right? I don't know. You don't know where? No. His name is Jordan Travis? Sounds familiar. He went to the Benjamin School. You ever heard of the Benjamin School? No. In North Palm Beach, Florida? That's where you went? Yes. Isn't it tiny? Yes. <laughs> and somebody... Well, it was when I went there. That's so tiny. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wow. The Benjamin School was actually in the national headlines twice this week, sports headlines. Twice. Okay. He that's... graduated from the Benjamin School. That's a big story, though. I mean, that was it's a huge big story. in the college football And you world. probably read where Tiger Woods' son captured a state high school championship golf crown with his high school team the benjamin school oh is that a golf team that i played on 40 wow. 40 some odd years ago there's still records on the wall <laughs> no from you right no. that no one can touch it yeah running out of balls <laughs> mitch levy r-o-b yeah. ran out of balls it's funny i had that story and i read all about it and i watched my the video school. of that my chip. school and I didn't know that was your school standing my up school there. the state champions yes let's go Come yes on. great job benjamin yes. school State champions went from Jack Nicholas's kids yeah. when I was playing to now Tiger Woods's kids 40 some odd years later. That's amazing. Same high school coach, too. Same coach. What? Yes, it's the same coach. He was named the coach 
I believe I only played on the team one year and I only played in one. I only qualified for one match. I was by far and away the worst player of the 10, <laughs> the 10 man team. We yeah. were very, but we were very, very good. We had division one scholarships, I think to the top six players, Wow! but I was, I was terrible. I was horrific. Well, compared to them. Yes. No, no, I was terrible. Oh, you were. Yeah. Okay. Compared to me now, I was terrible. <laughs> All right. I could ROB. What was I going to say? This guy came in. Yeah. The coach, the coach came in. He was like the softball coach. Hmm. or the soccer coach. He was some other coach. And Jack Nicholas, who kind of ran the school, yeah, not officially but unofficially, liked him and said, hey, make him the coach. He was like, I don't even play golf. He said, make him the coach. 45 years later, he's coaching Charlie Woods to state champion. <laughs> 45 Jim. years? What was he, 12 when he got the job? Well, I mean, it's not 45 shit. years. That would have been 19... That would have been 1985. Mm. So that's 15 and 23, 38 years later. Unbelievable. He's still coaching. He had just gotten the job when I, the one year that I, the one match that I played. He's probably thinking, look, I'll never do better than Jack Nicholas's kid. I mean, I'll never coach a more famous kid in my life. I should just stop now. <laughs> next thing you know, Tiger's kid. Comes I would right call it there. next thing you know. <laughs> yeah. It took about 38 years. Well, next thing you he's know. He's still there. Smash. Anyway, Mr. Today. College football playoffs <laughs> in segment one. Can't wait. Seahawks, no table. Who are we blaming? Rick Neuheisel, <sighs> the stretch run to conference championships. And two more interview segments. Auburn councilwoman elect Tracy Taylor is on episode 263. And Episode zero. Mm. If you if you're unaware or never heard, <laughs> now this is not episode one, the really emotional one. Right, right. This is episode zero where Jay Ham and I just come on the mics and we're like, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're testing everything. Nice. I think you might find some element of entertainment in that. Got it. Hot shot episode two hundred and sixty-three doesn't happen without our partners this holiday season, like John Water Stratton Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition. Week twelve password. Thank you. All lowercase one word. A thousand bucks from Fireside Home Solutions to the winner, and everyone who beats us wins a prize. Check out a new fireplace or garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage, my family now beginning the conversations of downsizing. Our youngest is graduating high school this year, and it's great to have Jordan Flowers on our team. I'm in good hands with Jordan at 425-890-2957. That's his cell phone, personal cell phone, 425-890-2957. Daniel's Broiler, a truly special time of the year, kicks off this week. The holiday season with the grand reopening of the original Daniels Broiler in Leshi. Many months closed, a complete makeover, and everyone is super excited over there. No better place to celebrate special occasions than Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza, you know what we say, football season is pizza season. It's Zeke's specials every football game day at all Zeke's locations. Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays, $10 off of all orders of 40 bucks or more at all Zeke's locations by using the code PIGSKIN10, P-I-G-S-K-I-N, and the number 10, 
homegrown in the Northwest. This is episode 263, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. Should I be impressed that Jamal Adams somehow sniffs out every play and is always in position to make the play? Or pissed off that in most cases he doesn't make the play after he's in position <laughs> to make the play. Yeah. Unfiltered. I can tell you if Florida State loses to Northern Alabama or Florida or Louisville in the ACC championship game, that version two of the Washington Huskies, yeah. they're in over Florida because ACC sucks. I would agree with you. And they're out. Mitch is unfiltered. Sixty-three is now officially underway with Hot Shot Scott. Penalties and injuries. The NFL on CBS. Oh, That's all I think about when I watch the NFL. Penalties and injuries. Good Don't talk about penalties. God. I mean, did I not? Did wait, we not go through this last week where I asked you it's why it's so uncanny that every team I root for, yep. whether I bet on them, whether they're my favorite teams, are always committing like 10, 12 how many do they have on Sunday? 12, yeah, 13, 14. How many times we all like Tariq or Reek Woolen, but how many t- how many games is he going to have a hands to the face <laughs> penalty 45 <laughs> yards across from the play right. and give them an automatic first down after we stop him on third and 15? Th- that was... How many times do I have to watch it? <laughs> that was the example I think you gave last week when we were talking about I it. I don't know if it's I It's always a I hands to the face and on third down. it's always like 30 yards across the right. field. Right, you don't even play. This is like his third time. <laughs> At right. what point does he stop hitting um, the guy in the face mask? It'd be nice. They had him stop. They were going to have to punt. They're coming off the field. He threw incomplete on third and 15. It's one thing if... Third and 12. If you are if you know you're beat stop. and you commit a penalty because you don't want the guy to score a tough... Of course. You're not even anywhere near the play. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? They're on a different field. Almost, yes. Unbelievable. How many plays? How many penalties? Washington on Saturday at yeah. Oregon State. Did they throw a stat up that Washington has the second most penalty yards in the country? I didn't see it. But I feel I, like I, I saw it. that. Yeah. So it was you, you were, say so you were like vindicated when I saw that. I was like, yeah, it's it's not it's not just it's in just our heads. Every, if I go to the if I go to the Snoqualmie Casino uh-huh. and I decide I'm going to make a bet on some, I don't know, I'll make a bet on Georgia Georgia Tech this or uh, Alabama Auburn. Yeah. As soon as that ticket comes out after I make the bet. That team will commit 12 penalties. <laughs> Whatever one you're it, rooting it, for. It, it, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with it's you. It's freaking unbelievable. It's so frustrating. I'm never on the other side. I just like once yeah. to be on the other side. What must that be like? Oh, what? Oh, better than the ballet. I mean, what what a nirvana to live in. What 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 what, what does it feel like to have somebody across the oh. field on your opponent after you throw incomplete on third and fifteen to have a defensive player of your opponent? Go illegal hands to the face, fifty yards right. away from the play, and give you an automatic. What does that feel like? How is the ref even looking at that? Like he's standing over. He or she is standing over. There's a, guess, there's a but- right on top of it. You can't get away with that. God, you can't. If they see it, they're going to call it every oh, single time. Penalties and injuries, so fun. So penalties and offensive incompetence in the second half. You realize in the second half. Before that last drive that got him into field goal range, if you call that field goal range, second half offensive performances after you led at halftime. 
three plays, eight yards, eight plays, 13 yards, four plays, 11 yards, three plays, one yard, three plays, seven yards, three plays, negative one yards. Mm. For a grand total in the second half before that last possession, 39 yards. You had 39 yards of offense. And you led the entire, pretty much the entire way you led. Yeah. And your defense was just begging you. Can you just get a couple first downs so we don't have to go right back out on the field? Right. Just get us a couple for, just take a few minutes off the clock. Be nice. Yeah. Couldn't even get a first down. Nope. It didn't matter whether it was Geno and it didn't matter whether it was Drew Locke. Didn't matter who it was. Yep. They were just rendered completely useless offensively in the second half. All that being said. Yeah. There they were. 27, 26, right. 25. They're at the 39-yard line. Throw the ball into the turf. Stop the clock. Call a play. Get me seven or eight. And then come in and kick the game-winning field goal. And you don't have to listen to Mitch Unfiltered with all this baloney. It was all set. It was it all set, set up. up perfectly. All set Couldn't up. believe anyway. he caught that over the 39. So the we'll 39. talk to the Seahawks. No table about that in our next <sighs> Let's get to the dogs who win a thriller. I feel a little queasy complaining about the offense, but I still, especially in a rainstorm on Saturday night, yeah. I still think they get away from the run. They've got Dylan Johnson. They pound the ball. They do a good job in the run. Mm-hmm. I think both teams, the Seahawks and the Huskies, get away from the run, and they try too many long-distance, low-percentage heaves. And especially to Odunze. Penix can't stop. Uh, he'll have two or three guys on him. He says, look, I'm throwing it. He's probably better than 98% of the corners covering him in this country. Right. Right. He, he could beat anyone. Just right. about. I, I like my chances. I'll just throw it up to him. The cornerback's not looking. And it, it worked. It, it works sometimes. It, it worked on Saturday night a couple of times. But I think he relies on it too much. It's starting to drive me nuts. How many second and tens did they have? Yeah, I, right. How many times did he throw in a torrential downpour on first down, low percentage, and, and, and looking at second and tens, and yet... They somehow come through in second and 10, third and eight. They uh, come through sometimes. Yeah. I know there are a lot of people that are killing him, saying that he had an off night. I don't see it. It's funny how people can watch the same game and have two polar opposite yeah, opinions. It is interesting. I was reading social media into the wee hours of the night last night. People were killing Michael Penix. Yeah. What game were you watching? Right. The guy did not turn it over. He did not throw one interception. He did not fumble the ball that I remember. And he used his legs pretty well. Used his legs pretty well. Yep. Had about six or seven balls that were incredibly thrown down the field, go right in and out of the hands of his receivers on a, on a rainy, wet night. I challenge anybody who tells me that Michael Penix had a bad night, had an off night on Saturday night, to sit down. He threw the ball 28 times. I think he must have gone back to pass. He intended to throw the ball probably 32 times or 31 times Mm -hmm. and actually threw it 28 and ran the other two or three. I challenge any one of you to sit down with those 31 plays and just watch them one by one, the 31 plays, and then say, obviously consider the rain, the slick conditions, the environment there. The receivers not being able to catch. The football team. I I challenge you to watch his 31 dropbacks to to pass and tell me that he – that he played a terrible game? I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it at all. I thought he made some really, really good throws that just weren't caught. They weren't hauled in. Oh. But they survive. No style points. When that safety happened, did you ever say to yourself, well, that'll be the difference in the game? I just it never even dawned on me. I thought the Huskies were going to 
you know, roll a little bit from there and because they, they scored pretty easily and Nope, they won by two. They had a two-score lead, they but then they they go in the tank on on offense in the second half. They get they didn't score anything, right? They scored zero. Yeah, they Damn. got shut out in the second half, but somehow they win the game. How about the throw? Going back to Penix for a second. Yeah. First of all, he throws two touchdown darts. He runs for a third, so he accounts for three touchdowns. Yeah. And then how about the third down play to salt the game away? Oh, incredible! Third and three, and he yep. just throws a laser to a Dunze for the uh, the backbreaker. Can you picture the play? It was to the same area of the field, but earlier in the game where he was under, he was in trouble, and he just somehow slings it over there. Do you know Incredible. what play I'm talking about? Like I think I do. What I think the I remember. Hell? And it's Who right there. Who makes that? And it's right there. It's right there. It's, it's right there. Wet. It's pouring down rain. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. I, I didn't look at that and go, well, he just screwed himself for the Heisman. Sure, he didn't have the gaudy Bo Nix numbers. No, he didn't. But he looked like the leader of a team out there and he did he played well enough for them to win. I was impressed. I I was too. Yeah. He ran it at the right times. That's he right. scrambled at the right times. He ran it into the end zone once. He threw two touchdown passes. And as I said, there were a lot of throws there that were really really good throws that the receivers just didn't catch and you can't really blame him all that much because it was such a horrible night. In Corvallis, Oregon, it's hard to catch the ball. Those I don't know last time you've had football gloves on like the the new ones they yeah. wear now but it's they're kind of rubbery, so it's it's a, when they get wet, it's like a slip and slide. I mean, it, it's it's the worst you know uh, material you could ever have to get wet to try to catch a ball. Really, it's like it's like it may as well just be ice. It's that slippery. Mm. It's not like the old Newmans that were leather and you could sort of get a little grit. Those things are terrible. So the fact that anyone was trying to catch the ball with their hands last night was making me crazy. Eventually, they started using their body to catch. Like Odunze, mm-hmm. he caught it with his body at the end there to make sure. But right. I, it sucks when you root for a team that has the number one passing attack in the country, and it's a fucking torrential downpour. It just like like equalizes it. Well, you would think. I'll, you would think, but Penix proved otherwise. But still, the, the drops and yeah. I hate that. That's a, I'm excited for the Pac-12 you got championship it, game to be indoors. Indoors in Let's Las go. Vegas. No excuses now, Perfect right? Perfect conditions. Perfect. Yep. Perfect conditions. So you have two games left. You've got the Apple Cup. And I thought the Apple Cup was always on a Friday after Thanksgiving. What, when did they change? It must have changed it on me. Must have, yeah. And by the way, we got news over the weekend that the Apple Cup's going to continue, though it's going to be in September. Yeah. And they're going to play it in September next year at Lumen Field and then rotate back and forth for the next umpteen years. So the Apple Cup has been protected as we all thought it would be. But you've got the Apple Cup this weekend. And then you've got the Pac-12 championship game next weekend. Now... We still don't know for sure. We know for sure Washington's in. They clinched it. We still don't know for sure, sure. We think we know for sure, sure, Mm -hmm. who the opponent's going to be. Yeah. But it's it's still down to two. It's down to Oregon. It's down to Oregon and and Arizona. Yep. Oregon gets to host Oregon State. You would think they're like 15, 18 point favorites. They would beat Oregon State in Eugene. Yep. And therefore qualify for the Pac 12 championship game. If they don't, if they don't beat Oregon State and Oregon mm-hmm. State shocks them and Arizona beats Arizona State, mm-hmm. Arizona and Oregon would have the same record, but Arizona would go. Do you know the, the reason why? <laughs> Hell, let's start you, with head-to-head. Do you care about the reason Sure, why? I'm a very curious person. Head-to-head, did they play? They did not play. Oh, so what boy. do they do now? Why is it that Arizona would go in the case of a tie between Arizona yeah. and Oregon? Same, same conference same, record. Same, and same conference. So it turns out, yeah. yeah, yeah, same conference record. Uh, that's yeah, a good and they question. didn't. They didn't play against each other. 
I don't know. I don't know what they would look at. The first thing they do is they go to the top team in that conference. Okay. And they ask, what was your, how'd you do against them? Really? Well, the top team is Washington and Arizona lost to them. Yeah. And Oregon lost to them. Yeah. So no, no tiebreaker there. Yep. Then you go to the next team. Well, the next team is Oregon State. And in this scenario, Oregon will have lost to Oregon State this weekend to get them in the tie. Yeah. And Arizona beat Oregon State ah, earlier in the year. That's a weird tiebreaker. So no, it's not. I think it's, it's kind of I mean, weird. Well, it's weird to you. It should be pointing differential. Or, that's true. <laughs> One day I will. But <laughs> so that's the reason. I don't wow. know that anybody cares about that. That's interesting. Everybody knows by now that it could be Arizona, Oregon. But if Oregon does its business, and we all think that Oregon's going to beat Oregon State, Oregon looks like the best team in the country, and I'm oh kind of ready for that to stop. Holy really, shit! Boy, they just they, while Washington ekes by every single opponent, <laughs> right? Oregon puts sixty up by half. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Bo and Nicks maybe has- Bo Nix is the Heisman Trophy winner by now. We'll ask Rick Neuheisel on this very show if Bo Nix is the uh, the front runner. I, I would guess he's the front runner right now. I love this this time of year, though. Ohio State, Michigan, two and three. Let's go, let's and go. And it's a it's a monster game for Washington. Well, yeah, I mean, it's more fun when your team's like in the in the mix. It's a monster game for Washington. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, which is a part of the Mister Playoffs. Okay, there are eight possible UW scenarios over the next two weeks. Eight, eight. Okay, eight. The reason that there's eight is because we don't know who they're going to play, Arizona or Oregon, right? All right, yeah. So the hypothetical. They yeah. could they could go. Th- there are two scenarios where they go thirteen and zero: mm-hmm. beat Washington State, beat Arizona, or beat Washington State and beat Oregon. Those yeah. are two of the eight. There are two scenarios where they go eleven and two. Yeah. Where they lose both, lose both the Apple Cup. I hope they don't lose both the Apple Cup and to Arizona, lose the Apple Cup and lose to Oregon. So yeah. that's. There's four right out of the way, okay. and we don't really have to even discuss much about those four because the two 11 and twos, the, yeah, they're out. Essentially, they're out. Yeah, they're out. I mean, there are crazy, crazy. They're out. We're talking reasonable here. <laughs> right. They're, they're out. out. They're out. And the two 13 and O's, they're in. They're in. Yeah. They're in 100%. That's right. And I figure they'll either be the number two or the number three. It's, to me, virtually impossible if reasonable outcomes happen. And when I say reasonable, I mean non-gigantic upsets. Right. Okay? If they go 13-0, it's it's almost impossible, reasonably speaking, that they would be number one because I think they're boxed out by the winner of Michigan-Ohio State because reasonably, the Michigan-Ohio State winner this weekend will win the Big Ten championship game, right? Yep. And that will make them 13-0. Yeah. And they're ahead of Washington right now anyway. Both of them are ahead of Washington right now anyway. For whatever so reason. I believe, yeah. So I believe that a 13-0 Michigan, a 13-0 Ohio State, either one of them will be number one over a 13-0 Washington. Both of them, whoever wins will have a top three win in their back pocket as That's well. Right. If three beats two or two That's beats right. three. That's so, yeah. right. So, Impressive. So I think at 13-0, you're definitely in, and you're probably number two. Okay. Or number three, depending on what happens to Georgia. Well, that's I was going to say. Georgia's got something to say about that. Well, Georgia, if they win out, then you're number three, probably. Yep. And if Georgia doesn't win out, loses to Alabama, you're probably number two behind the Ohio State-Michigan winner. That's what's going to happen at 13 0 As we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, the intrigue around Washington for a Mr. Playoffs is the 12-1 and scenarios. Yeah. Can you get in? Did anything happen this past weekend that changes the reasonable 12-1? and Again, we're not talking about huge upsets here. Yeah. 
Obviously, if there are huge upsets, it could throw everything up in the air. That will drive us crazy. There's no way you can project that. So I'm working under reasonable outcomes. And I believe there was one thing that happened this weekend that changes the opportunity for a 12-1 and Huskies team to get into the college football playoff. Okay. And that is the injury like to State. Benjamin School yeah. product. <laughs> yeah. The pride. Jordan Travis. The pride of South Florida. Because before he got hurt, I would have said projecting Florida to beat Florida State or Louisville to beat Florida State is one of those unreasonable, huge upsets that we're not dealing with. Right. But now that they have their backup quarterback and they have to go to Gainesville, although I think Florida has his backup quarterback, they got to go to Gainesville and they got to beat Louisville on a neutral field with their backup without their Heisman Trophy candidate. I believe then it's reasonable to believe that Florida might beat them or Louisville might beat them. Yep. Okay. Understand. That's the biggest shift Hmm. in the playoff scenario for a 12-1 Washington team. Because as we discussed, if Florida State runs it, they're in, no matter backup quarterback or not, they're in. Right. So that's a spot we could just right. pull them out. Right. Yeah. We've asked this question, and I think we've answered it. We'll ask it again. We'll answer it again. Which 12-1 Washington team is better, is higher in the committee's eyes? Mm-hmm. The 12-1 team that loses in the Apple Cup at home to Washington State as a 16-point favorite? And then beats Oregon for a second time? Yeah. Or the Washington that beats Washington State in the Apple Cup finishes the season 12-0 and and then loses to Oregon in the rematch in a close, exciting Pac-12 championship game that comes right down to the wire just like the first time around yeah. here in Seattle. Which one is better? Well, beating Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game is better. No question. I believe that to be true yeah. also. Beating Oregon twice in one year? I mean, forget it. That's really impressive. Where it's not as good as your loss at home to Washington State is a bad loss. It is. It's a bad loss. But what you gain, the positives of it outweigh the negatives. And that is, you've beaten Oregon twice. In that scenario, you're Pac-12 champs. Don't forget about that. By the way, yes. You want a big conference. As opposed to being, <laughs> in the other scenario, you're not Pac-12 champs. And you're asking the committee to, to put in two Pac-12 teams. Right. You're the runners-up. Oregon's the champs. They're going yep. in the other scenario. So I agree with you. The better of the two, losing to Washington State, as hard as that is to yep. That'll suck. swallow, mm-hmm. but then beating Oregon the following week for a second time in Las Vegas. Yeah. But what's changed is because of the Florida State, I was prepared as Mr. Playoffs. I was prepared this week to say the version that, that beats Washington State and loses to Oregon and is non-Pac-12 champs, mm-hmm. I was just about ready this week to call that they're done. They're out. They can't make it. Yeah, Reasonably, they can't make it. But I'm now no longer willing to do that because of Florida State. Florida State, yeah. Florida State is the great unknown. Can they beat Florida on the road with their backup quarterback? Can they beat Louisville on a neutral field with their backup quarterback? That's the great unknown. And if the answer to that is they won't win both, then it opens the door for one more spot where I can give you a set of scenarios, reasonable ones, where the bad 12-1 and team, you know what the bad 12-1 and Washington team is? the one that is? beats Wazoo and loses to Oregon. I can give you a reasonable scenario where that team makes the Final Four. Would two you like it? Two Pac-12 teams two in the playoffs. Pa- I can give you wow. a reasonable scenario that doesn't include massive upsets okay. where that team, the bad Washington team, yeah. can make the Final Four. Would you like that? Yes, please. 
Hope we don't need it, but we might. Georgia wins out and beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. Anything unreasonable about that? Nope. Georgia's okay. looks pretty good. Okay, Georgia's undefeated. Yep. Alabama has two losses. Alabama's out. Yep. Follow that? Yep. So Georgia's in. That's one seat. Easy. The Michigan-Ohio State winner mm -hmm. also wins the following week. Undefeated in Big Ten champions. They're in. Yep. Right? Now listen to me here. I'm going to make the Ohio State-Michigan winner in this scenario, Ohio State. Okay. They go to Michigan this weekend, and as an underdog, six-point underdog, they beat Michigan on their home field and then go and win the Big Ten, Ohio State's in. That's two seats. Yep. Two teams are in. What's the third seat? The third seat is Oregon. Oh, yeah, duh, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon's in. For sure, yeah. For sure. Yep. In the bad version in the of the bad 12 Because right? they won the Pac-12. They yeah. won the Pac-12 title. They beat Oregon State. Yeah. They finished 12-1 and one with the one loss to Washington. And they're Pac-12 champs. They're three. That's three. We have one chair. That's right. We have one chair in musical chairs. The world's worst, most stressful game got, of musical chairs. We've got one chair. Get that now, ample posterior now we've ready. we've got one chair. Yeah. Florida State loses one of the next two. Okay. Re reasonable with their backup quarterback? Sure. I say yes now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're out. They've got one loss, and they will not get in with one loss over a one-loss Washington team. They're out. So we now have one chair for the following three teams circling with the music playing. Okay. And that one chair, the three teams are Michigan, yeah. who's 11-1, and one, has lost at home to Ohio State, so they didn't even go to the Big Ten title game, and they've got all of this schmutz around them. Yeah. <laughs> all of the investigations and, this, and the circus that's... Right. Everything that's Restraining circling... Restraining orders and all the weird Everything that's yeah. circling, all the cheating allegations around them. Yep. They're one of the teams. They will definitely think they have a case. Especially if they lose closely to Ohio State, if they barely lose to Ohio State, they're definitely going to think they have. They think a they case. have the case, but yes. they are a one-loss Michigan team yep. with not a very good schedule. They've lost the one game at home to Ohio State, and they have the investigation circling around the vultures circling. Yep, that's one that's team. One, yep. Texas could be a team if they went out. Their only loss would have been to Oklahoma, and they do have a win at Alabama. To yeah. their credit, Steve Sarkeesian does, and Washington. Three teams, the bad version of Washington. Three teams, one chair. Yeah, it's tough. I think Washington gets the chair. Really? In that situation. Not, I do. Not the electric. <laughs> <laughs> You're not saying they're no. dead. I think they get the last chair at the table. Wow. I think the committee will put Washington in the bad version of Washington mm -hmm. over the one-loss Michigan team that lost at home. We'll come back to that in a minute. And over the Texas team of the Big 12. I think Washington could very well, especially if, by the way, big if, big if, asterisk, the Pac-12 championship game that they lose yeah. is a really good game. Right. They can't get their ass no, kicked. No, they, they can't, can't get, get their ass raced. kicked. Yeah. It's got to be a really good game like the first time around, but they end up on the losing end as yep. opposed to the winning end. I think they can get in. So what I've just told you is, I think the bad version of the Wash the twelve and one Washington team can get in. What does that mean? I think the good version of the Washington team, which twelve and one Washington team, which is we decided lose Washington State, but beat Oregon for the second time and be Pac twelve champions. They have a very plausible opportunity to get one of now two chairs. There'd be two chairs. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the same scenario, where Georgia beats Alabama, wins out. Yep. Florida State loses one of the two. The Ohio State-Michigan winner wins, gets one. So you got Georgia and Michigan. But now we don't have Oregon anymore. 
That third chair was going to be Oregon's. Yeah. But now there's two chairs for three teams. The Michigan, mm -hmm. Washington, and Texas for two chairs. I think in that case, Washington definitely gets in. Yeah, I would agree. The bottom line is 13-0, you're definitely in, probably number two or number three. 12-1, where you lose to Washington State but win the Pac-12 championship game, I think is... You're on solid ground. Not a lock. No, but, definitely yeah. not a lock, yeah. but maybe even creeping up on 50-50 or better. Okay. Because we still need Florida State to lose one of these two games. Right. And then not such great footing if it's the bad version that beats Washington State but loses to Oregon, but still a chance. Mm -hmm. a, still, there is, there is a reasonable combination of results that will get you in. That's my conclusion. So what makes you think that Washington will get in in the bad version over Michigan, who loses to Ohio State? Well, I was coming back to that. I think oh, you are okay. I think Sorry. what you really need, what you really need, if you're watching, when you're watching that game at 9 a.m. on Saturday, mm -hmm. I will be. The most important thing is we don't want a good game. Mm. You want one of the two teams to win going away. Yeah. You, we don't need a 34-33 exciting down to the last second right. incredible Ohio State Michigan game for the Right, cuz then the loser goes, "Well, we barely lost to these guys and they're probably no. the best team in the country." We don't we don't, a lopsided win one way or the other. Okay. But I keep coming back to It won't be. It will never be easy. It won't be. <laughs> you want a lopsided win one way or the other. But I keep coming back to Michigan's at home. Michigan's supposed to win. Mm. They're six point five and a yeah, half point favorites, and Michigan has played the lesser of the two schedules of of Ohio State. And then you factor in the the vultures circling on this investigation. Have they been cheating? Have they not been cheating? Yeah. Why did they settle for the three game suspension? I just think all of this about Michigan leads me. The, the only conclusion that I can come to is that Washington fans want Ohio State to go to Michigan, beat Michigan, and beat them soundly. And then I think a 12-1 and Washington team has every every opportunity to get the chair in front of the Michigan. Okay. That's, that's, that's the way I look at it. I think Ohio State's going to win. And I, you do? I, I think they're the better team. See, I think Michigan's the better team. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, the point spread would suggest that you're right. But I well, just the like point spread could be just about where they're playing the game in Ann Arbor. I watch the two teams. I watch the two quarterbacks. It really comes down to the quarterbacks for me. Yeah. I don't think the Ohio State quarterback is that good. Mm -hmm. I think the Michigan quarterback is much better, but I hope I'm wrong. Normally, when this game happens, I always think Ohio State is the better team. Yeah. This is like the one yeah. year where I go into the team wondering whether the Michigan team is the better team. See, I'm not quite there yet. I still think Ohio State's just better than Michigan well, every year. If you're right, I think Washington gets a big break. So Florida State is a team you keep your eye on. Yep. You want Florida State to lose either in Gainesville this week or on a neutral field next week to Louisville mm -hmm. with their backup quarterback. We're rooting for Ohio State to go to Michigan and win, hopefully in a lopsided game. And if we're not going to get our wish and Michigan's going to win, then we want Michigan to win 45-7. to seven. Right. We want one of those two teams to look bad That's right. on that particular day. So they can't really make a case. Right. Yeah. We want right. them to look bad on that day. Yep. And then, as it relates to the SEC, it would be very helpful if Georgia beat Alabama next week in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Because we don't need... The, the one thing that could be really hurtful for Washington if is yeah. if Alabama wins the SEC championship game 
with one loss, and Georgia's only loss is to Alabama with one loss, then you can see the writing on the yep. wall. The SEC teams get two. You don't need they two both SEC teams. teams no. Hanging that takes around. Up a, that takes up a chair. Yeah, that's right. That takes yeah. up a chair. We want Georgia to win out and beat Alabama and send Nick Saban to some other New Year's Day Bowl. Get him out of the conversation. Two SEC teams, not a good look for Pac-12. Okay? As, a, as a Husky fan, I mean, I know you didn't grow up here, but you, your kid goes, you root for him. Do you want to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship? Because, God, that would be fun because it's fucking Oregon. That'd be awesome. Or are you like, no, I want Arizona. They're not as good as Oregon. What do you, what, what do you think? What would you root for? What do you think Husky ask, fans are rooting for? Ask me after I know the result of the Apple Cup. Oh, okay. It well, was, uh, my answer, because I'm, I come at this from a Mr. Playoffs perspective. Yeah. My answer is if they beat Washington State handily in the Apple Cup mm-hmm. and they are 12-0, and 0, Let's play Arizona the easier. The, <laughs> yeah. By the way, Arizona is really good. I, I'm not. I'm not That's sleeping right. on Arizona. I just think Oregon is phenomenal right now. They're Unreal. just. They are hitting on all cylinders. They sure are. So I would say that if you beat Washington State and you are now a win away from a guaranteed spot, yeah. Then I want to play Arizona. Yeah. If you lose to Washington State. I think then I need the org. I That's want right. the Oregon game. You need that Oregon pedigree. I, I, I need it. Yeah. I, I need to beat Oregon a That's second right. time. Good call. That, That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can go both ways. All this is very, that's why it's so interesting to talk about or not interesting. It's going to be Maybe fun. Maybe I bored everybody the last I, 25 minutes. Anyway. It's always fun when the team you're, I know there's a lot of Cougar fans listening, like, shut the F up. But it's always fun when the team you root for <laughs> yeah. is, is in the mix. Like, yeah. it doesn't well, happen often. Well, Washington State's in the mix. Yeah. They yeah, can, that's right. <laughs> that's true. Oh, they got something to play for. They got something to play for. No doubt. Yep. Should the be fun. ultimate spoiler. So uh, three interviews and then a fourth one, which is episode zero, and then the other stuff segment. She's back. Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. I understand there's a special anniversary or birthday over there in Bellevue. Yes. Uh, Evergreen is celebrating our 40th anniversary this nice. year. Nice. Very, very nice. So that means the new Make Mitch Look Foolish quiz is a 40th anniversary special this week. That's right. Okay. I'm ready. Go ahead. So it's been an interesting year in the market. Overall, the S&P 500 is up about 11% for the year. Last time when we spoke in July, it was up about 19%. So there's been some volatility over that time. But I'm going to see how much you've been paying attention. First question, what is the return on value stocks for 2023? So value stocks are blue chip companies that trade at attractive valuations, often pay dividends, things like financials, Costco, companies like that. Value stocks, are they up 7%, 2%, or down 1%? I would year? think that they're up because overall the market is up, but I'll just say 2%. How about that? Unfortunately, they're down 1%. Oh, really? It's quite the diversion where what we're going to look at in question number two, yeah. we're going to turn to our focus on what's the return on growth stocks. Right, right. These are companies like Tesla, Meta, Google, some of the big tech giants. Mm-hmm. So are those stocks up 31%, 24%, or 5%? So if the value stocks are down too, these have to be up big, big, big for the numbers to make sense. So it's either 24, 30, I'll say the 31%. So they're actually up 24%. (laughs) So you can see there's a big diversion between these different areas of the market. And really, there's only a handful of stocks that are driving the market return this year. So while overall the market's up, it doesn't tell the full story. 
which means I'm on the precipice of going 0 for 3. Let me see if I can salvage one for us, Katie. Go ahead. All right, I'll give you an easy one. It's a true or false. Okay. So true or false, the return on the bond market is negative for the year. Well, that has to be true if the the stock, well, it doesn't have to be, but most likely that's true if the stock market is thriving, right? That's true. The bond market is down over 3% this year. I go one for three and in baseball, 333 makes me an all-star hitter. I'm going to stick to that. We love Evergreen Golf Call, a terrific partner. Start your search and learn all about them at evergreengk.com because they're everything wealth. Unfiltered. Smith to the air to Metcalf, and he reels it in. Is it a catch? Yes, it is. A touchdown. Second and goal. Two-yard attempt to give the Rams the lead. Out of the hold of Ethan Evans, and the kick is right down the middle. And the penalties that, that happened uh, were just were just out of line for us, and, and it's, we have not been uh, good in that area during the season. It's the Seahawks No Table, ladies and gentlemen, presented by Taco Time Northwest. What a heartbreaker. On Sunday in Los Angeles, the Rams just have the Seahawks number. It comes right down to the end. Controversially, the Seahawks get in semi-field goal range, miss a long field goal. Rams win, drops the Seahawks to 6-4. and four. All of this presented by Taco Time Northwest. TacoTimeNW.com for an opportunity to join the team. Brady Henderson from Los Angeles. Brian Nemhauser, the Hawk blogger. Brady, let's start with you. Why did the Seahawks lose on Sunday to the Rams by one? A lot of reasons uh, not to be lost in all of this is that they committed 12 penalties for 130 yards. Now, a lot happened in this game, and that was not the only issue, but some of those were killers. And the illegal hands to the face on uh, Reek Woolen that extended what ended up being the Rams' game-winning field goal drive, uh, negated a, th- a third-down stop, I should say, and extended that drive. Uh, another costly one on uh, Devin Witherspoon in the end zone, so let's not lose sight of that. But I think they lost uh, also because Geno Smith missed – two, you know, almost three possessions and Drew Locke couldn't get it done uh, while he was in there. And then uh, there's a very interesting sequence that we'll talk about here uh, at the end of the game, uh, right before that final attempt from Jason Myers, where Gino's headset went out and he didn't get the play call from Shane Waldron on the sideline. And so not only was there an injury to his right elbow, there was a very ill-timed communication issue in this game. That plus the penalties uh, led to this loss, despite what was overall, I think, a pretty good day by their defense. Brian Nemhauser, is that fair to Drew Locke? Because before Drew Locke came into the game, into the second half, the offense did absolutely nothing with Geno Smith as quarterback from the beginning of the third quarter on. I think it's absolutely fair. I think Drew Locke, all the, the Drew Locke supporters out there uh, hopefully got a little bit of dose of reality today that Drew Locke is the same player he's always been in the NFL, which is not an NFL starter. A turnover machine. Look, it gets the the Giants. Everyone was excited because he threw one pass on the sideline to Noah Fant that went for 50 yards, but he was two of six in that game as well. I think your best chance for Drew Locke to do something is if you get him moving and and Shane Waldron did nothing to help him there by actually trying to use his legs. So I know I didn't think this is a, a game that that anyone should feel any sort of leniency towards Drew Locke. I also feel that 
there was a dozen reasons why the Seahawks lost this game, and that was just one of them. Give them some others. Uh, where to start? I would say Kenneth Walker getting hurt, Geno Smith getting hurt. Both uh, played a role. I think the fact that the Seahawks coaching staff clearly was trying to have their cake and eat it too by rotating players in. They rotated in Anthony Bradford and Stone Forsyth, who were an absolute disaster on the right side of this line. They chose to hold out Jamal Adams, which I think made sense. They put Derek Hall and Frank Clark in quite a bit at edge. They were significantly worse than Boye Mafe and Draymond Jones. Uh, they rotated Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf out for series. I think they were trying to save some ammunition for Thursday, and I understand why. I think it backfired. And then, look, I never blame the refs first, but that was an absolutely game-changing, season-changing, awful defensive pass interference call in the end zone when the defense had held up. That ends up costing the Seahawks enough points. And finally, Jason Myers is exactly who I've always thought Jason Myers was. When you absolutely need him to win a game, that's not the guy I want taking the kick. And he proved again why he's not that guy. I don't want to hear anything about 350-yard-plus field goals. He's the fourth-highest-paid kicker in the NFL. His, his quarterback came off the bench with barely an elbow working, moved them into position to win that game, and he blows a kick that he, he – he, it was one yard more than a kick he hit earlier in that game, and it wasn't even close. So he chokes. There, there's a bunch of reasons there, uh, and that's just for starters. Oh, yeah, and I was just going to say on, on lock, I mean, that is always a tough position to, to put a backup quarterback in where it's not like you – plan the whole week to start and you get all those reps um you know he's coming in cold off the bench without very many without a whole lot of reps in practice but that said i I agree with brian here i mean for anybody who thought at any point this season that drew lock was the better option i think this game and just the track record before that that this is this was more evidence that geno smith is still the best option even with you know some shaky play this season aside now that sort of goes out the window if he can't play Thursday night, and we'll see about that. Uh, Pete Carroll said he has no idea if he's going to be ready. Geno Smith said, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, he came in uh, and was able to finish the game after missing you know, pretty much three series, but you just don't know how the elbow is going to react, and he obviously doesn't have the normal uh, you know, time to recover that he would for a Sunday to a Sunday game. Can I just, on the, on the Geno Smith-Drew Locke thing, Geno Smith, in a game against the Rams, two years ago came in after Russell Wilson got hurt at home and he took on his, I think first possession took the Seahawks on a 98 yard touchdown drive and then took them on a 46 yard field goal drive. So I don't want to hear that a prepared backup cannot come in without any understanding and be effective. Drew Locke is not a good NFL quarterback. I don't want to hear it from any other fan that this guy should be getting snaps. Yeah, but he is nowhere close to an NFL starter. I'm surprised that we're focusing on that because why are you guys putting your hand over the inability of this offense to do anything before Drew Locke came into the game in the third quarter possessions? Do I have to read him to you? Four plays, five yards. They had 39 yards of offense. Now, I'm a Geno supporter, and I thought he was pretty good in the first half. But in the second half, they could get nothing accomplished. It didn't matter who the quarterback was. They got nothing. They couldn't even get a first down to stay on the field, Brian. I I got a couple quick things there. By the way, that was not a rant in response to Brady. That's just a response to all the folks that have been calling for Drew Locke for two years. That just drives me nuts. Two things. One, the protection was excellent to start this game. I noted it on both first drives. There's a reason they were converting third downs early. And it was partially because of protection. It was partially because the third downs were third and short. 
not third and long. They became third and long. There was the pressure got much more. The pass protection was worse. That's part of why I brought up the Stone Forsyth and Anthony Bradford rotation, because I think that hurt them. And then there's this other little stat that I will bring up for you guys. Shane Waldron, third and three yards or less, third and short. He calls a running play the third least of any coordinator in the NFL. I looked this up on that doesn't even include this game against the Rams, where to your point, Mitch, in the second half, there was a third and two on the first possession pass play. There was a third and three with Drew Locke in there pass play. Shane Waldron only calls run plays on 32% of third and shorts. I think he deserves some blame for not putting his quarterbacks and his offense in a better position to convert them. And yet, perhaps, Brady, we are burying the lead, at least for me. Because with all the things that both of you have said so eloquently, the Seahawks were in a position at the end of the game to win. And they complete the ball to DK Metcalf very similarly like they did a week ago against Washington to pull that game out. And he gets down to the 39-yard line. And they run up to the to the line of scrimmage and they've got a good 26 27 seconds when they get there and get organized all they have to do brady it's peewee football it's coaching 101 all they have to do is get up there and spike the ball stop the clock you now have 25 seconds it's second down from the 39, you've got virtually your entire playbook. You're just trying to get eight or nine or ten yards to get closer. You can do anything you want, including run the ball. If you still want to run the ball up the middle like they did, you could even do that. But you have to stop the clock. Just stop yep. the clock and get regrouped. It makes zero sense. Now, you're going to give me the explanation of what happened there in those chaotic final seconds and minutes. Yeah, it, what happened was uh, Geno Smith, the communication like in his headset, so the ability to hear the play call from uh, Shane Waldron on the sideline, that cut out You know, after the 21-yard the completion to Metcalf. So as they're running up to the line of scrimmage, uh, he can't hear the play call, so Geno Smith has to do what quarterbacks have to do in that situation. They have to take over and think on their feet. Instead of spiking the ball, which I think everybody agrees would have been the right move, he decides to call a run play. Now, that was not a run play designed to just get the ball on the left hash to set up Jason Myers where he wants, you know, like where he he may want to kick it. It had nothing to do with that. I asked, you know, that postgame, and he said that wasn't about that. It was about trying to actually get some yardage uh, and to make that a shorter kick. But as you said, if you spike it there, you you have time to regroup, and you're not – hurried and you have time to actually think about what one maybe two plays you could run by the way you know what you, off some you, of that you know what else you have time for if you spike it for the communication to get back up and running in the headsets yeah. if that's really if that's really what happened here I, look i have as you guys know and people get mad at me on twitter i have been reluctant to really throw geno smith under the bus I see a lot more in Geno than everybody else does. I have, been, I have been bending over backwards to give him the benefit of the doubt. But Brian, Brady, if this is true, and, and at his age in the NFL, if he doesn't think running up, to the, running up to the line, I can't hear my offensive coordinator. Brian, if he doesn't think of stopping the clock, either by spiking it or calling a pass play, that he can quickly look, and if it's there, he takes it. If it's not, he throws the ball into the third row of the seats. If he's not, if I'm thinking of that in my den, and he's not, there's something seriously wrong. Geno Smith, shame on him 
if he can't come up with the idea to stop the clock there. I think that's mostly fair. I think that's mostly fair. I mean, I, I think if if Tom Brady is running up to that <clears throat> to that line of scrimmage, if Matt Hasselback is running up to that line of scrimmage, you know, I think a lot of veteran quarterbacks would run up to that line of scrimmage and whether or not the communications were working would make a more logical decision than what Geno Smith made. I think that's fair. The only thing that I will throw out there is this guy thought he was done for the day. I don't think that means that that he can't think straight. But I mean, he had to have uh, it was not a normal circumstance for him to be in that game and in that moment. So and then to have the the communications break down. Not great, but I agree. Generally, Come on. he should still know better. He should still know better. I, I think that's a, a totally fair criticism. It's just not where my mind starts on really? this. Okay. I mean, all it right. just isn't. It, okay. Like that that's that's after this game had been blown by all the other things okay. that happened. All right, Brady, I interrupted. Sorry. Get back to oh, no, I, your I, frame of mind. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just gonna add that, you know, Pete Carroll seemed upset about the way that they handled that final sequence. And and, you know, as he does, he was being vague about it and he's never one to, you know, call a guy out by name. He certainly wasn't going to, you know, call Geno Smith out and say, you know, yeah, the guy who's gutting it out on a what may be a serious elbow injury and got them in position he's not going to say yeah that guy screwed it up and should have spiked it so he was really vague about it and then it wasn't until smith spoke with reporters afterwards that he revealed that that it was you know a clock issue that led to that decision or at least that played a role in it but carol was certainly uh not happy about the way that they handled it Mm -hmm. and brian just to review it, it feels like that you think that when they got the lead well they started the game by resting people and you think when they got the lead, they felt comfortable and they, tr- they, they overthought themselves. We've seen this in sports before. They started to overthink themselves like they've got this. We can win this game shorthanded. Let's start taking guys out and saving them for Thursday night. That's what you think. I don't know if the, it, there was a real change during the game. I think that they entered this game wary of the fact that they had a, ga- a critical game against the first place 49ers in a few days and I think they were planning for both games going into this one I think their game plan likely was impacted by the 49ers being a few days away I think they probably held some plays back that they will probably try to use against the 49ers I think that they held some players back and had some pitch counts that they wouldn't have otherwise had and I think that ultimately that was part of the difference. I don't think we got the absolute full effort of this coaching staff to win this game and this game only. I mm. think they were looking mm. ahead. Yeah, with Lockett, I don't know necessarily that the Thursday night game played as big of a role in him being on like a uh, him not playing the entire game as it maybe have with some other players. I asked Lockett afterwards if he was on a, a snap count. And he said it was really more about like it was a conversation, you know, throughout the game. And I think part of what you saw him miss some time there is like he was sore and he, he it seemed to me like he needed out now I think it was the other way with the rotations on the offensive line um, and that's what they've been doing and I do think it, yeah, as Brian said the Thursday night game played a role in there clearly Jason Peters is a better right tackle right now than Stone Forsyth but he's also 41 years old and I think part of the reason they're continuing it with that rotation is that they just wonder how he's going to hold up you know over 50 plus snaps if he has to play that many in one game and so we'll see I, I think that's going to continue to be the plan until Abe Lucas comes back and maybe even when Lucas comes back at least to start got off it, with got it Brian at what point do we come down on Reek Willen you know um mm. we we talk about DK Metcalf being flagged 
over and over again for the same thing, and we wonder, uh, you know, how, how much criticism to heap on his shoulders. Here's another, I don't know if this is the second or third time, in a critical situation, 50 yards away from the play, Tariq Woolen, after they get off the field on third and 12 and third and 15, he's flagged for a, an illegal hands to the face of the receiver, giving an automatic first down and really changing the course of the way that game concluded. How, how tough should we be on him? I think, I think it is a fair criticism. It's something that the, the officials have said is a point of emphasis for whatever reason right now. And it was clearly a flag. I mean, that, that one, I will not argue. He got his hand up on the, the head. And according to the rule, that is a penalty. I will say, as a fan, and I get to be a fan on this show, I think that's the weirdest point of emphasis I've seen. It's not a risk of, of injury. I don't know why. It doesn't really affect the play. I don't know why all of a sudden that's a big deal. And in fact, I was watching the Brown Steelers game. I saw that happen three different times with no penalty called. But something someone has talked about the way the Seahawks are playing off the line on their releases because they're getting called for it every single week. So they got to adjust whether we like it or not. They're calling it. And that was a huge, huge call. Yeah. And look, the play happened what 50 yards away from the action. 40 yards was on the opposite side of the field. I still think as an official, you've got to call it because, you know, where's the line there? Like if he's 20 yards, do you not call it? If, like that's kind of a, a weird slippery slope. So oh, and, and it makes by, it by unfortunate. The way, by the way, Brady, to underscore your point, when the penalty happens, Right off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you don't know where we the don't know where the ball's up. going. It, it yeah. ends up being fifty yards away, but for all we know, the ball was coming to that receiver, and now right. that receiver's knocked off his route because the the uh, the defensive player hit him sure. in the hit him in the face mask. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, I mean the point there is that I, I don't think it was necessarily a bad call. Now Woolen disagreed with it. He he said it was BS. Said it was also quote a sucky call, uh, which I thought was a f- <laughs> funny way of describing it. But he said both because he didn't feel like he got his hands uh, but, in uh, Trammell's face and because it happened so far away from the play. But it sounds like both of those. But speak to the issues. True. Speak to the issues, Brady and Brian. Brady first on penalties. How many games? How many years? How many weeks are we going to watch this team go out and commit 12, 13, 14 penalties and lose games by one point? Uh, tell me that Pete Carroll was pulling his hair out after the game. Did he talk yeah, about I mean, it? Yeah. Th- th- this is, uh, this is a, a longstanding issue that kind of got better for a few seasons, but now has reared its ugly head again. I mean, to give you an idea of how bad it was, I think the, the Rams had 94 yards of offense. Uh, on their own in the first half and the Seahawks uh, basically gave them 96 yards of penalties so the Seahawks gave them more yardage via penalties than the Rams got on their own and ended up being 12 penalties for 130 yards according to get the uh, bell ready according to our great stats people at ESPN 130 penalty yards is the most in the NFL this season thank you uh, and the Seahawks most since 2018 and like I said to start off the segment that was maybe as big a reason as any as to why they lost this game the defense continues to play well Brian but you discussed it and I was going to bring it up on the show and that is I feel like they've got a problem with one of the edge rushing positions when they go to that lineup with Frank Clark God love him when they go to Derek Hall, uh, e- even Draymond Jones, when he's in there, it, it just feels like they are uh, – Daryl Taylor's not getting the job done. It just feels like they're a player short, Brian. 
at that spot and everywhere else around the defense looks pretty solid and secure. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that I think Draymond Jones and Boye Mafe are playing well at the two edge positions. I don't have any real notes for them of, hey, those guys aren't doing their jobs. I thought Draymond Jones had a few plays. He pushed the the tackle back into the lap of Matt Stafford. I thought he set the edge pretty well. But where I completely agree is it is a massive drop off to the next guys. Derek Hall is not playing that much, you know, better than Frank Clark. As far as I'm concerned, is just not an NFL player anymore. I don't think he belongs on a roster. He looks out of shape, not fast, not strong, not smart. Like there's nothing he's doing that's particularly good on run defense or pass. And then, yeah, Daryl Taylor has been a massive disappointment this year. He is not someone who can consistently get any sort of pass rush. And that's the only thing that he's supposed to be able to do. So, yeah, it's an issue. It's absolutely an issue. Yeah. And, you know, you're not getting Uchenna Nuosu back anytime this year. So that's what you got to deal with. Uh, generally speaking, though, I thought the defense played a good game. And, the, you know, we talked about some of these other penalties. There was a there was a key play that goes under the, the radar. There was like a third and two with a couple minutes left in this game, maybe three minutes left in this game. The Rams are driving and they run the ball and the Seahawks stop Royce Freeman two yards short of the line to gain. And then he pushes the pile yeah. forward. Well, for I'm going to tell you, I'll give you my opinion on that. <clears throat> I believe that they played great. The defense played great, but the dam broke because they were on the field so damn long. Yeah, and, they yeah. all, and this is where I go back to that initial point that I was trying to make earlier before Drew Locke got in the game. Go back and look at the possessions, the third quarter and fourth quarter possessions offensively for the Seahawks. How many first downs did they get and how much time did they have the ball? The Seahawks were desperate to get a few first downs, not even score. Just get a few first downs and give the defense a break. The defense kept having to go out there and out there and out there. And it felt for my money, that play is a perfect example. Late in the game, it just felt like the defense had nothing left. That they were out there so often and so long that they they wore out. The Rams wore them out on those last couple of drives. And they they hurt themselves with penalties. penalties. I, I thought penalties. I thought Julian Love played a very good game, but a 52 yard pass interference was a big play early. You had multiple offsides that that made things easier for the the Rams to take shots. You just had a lot of these things that just really hurt them yeah. and. I don't leave this game feeling worse about the Seahawks defense. I actually was feeling that the Seahawks offense was coming around. I thought I saw play calling. That was a good balance of run and pass and short and long. And then it just evaporated. So, you know, we're left with looking at a team that really feels like a mediocre team that has a winning mm. record, but mm. maybe not for long. Yeah, not for long because now they're about to enter, you know, the brutal stretch of their schedule. And then I guess looking back on it now, especially in hindsight, but even knowing what we know about how tough the Rams play the Seahawks, you probably could have included this game in that stretch of, you know, the two against San Francisco, one apiece against Dallas and San, and, uh, and Philadelphia, I should say. But uh, just to follow up on uh, two points that you guys made there, um, it, the Seahawks had a, uh, I think it was 19 and change to 10 and change advantage in terms of time of possession in the first half. Uh, and then 
that ended up being only a five-minute advantage by the time the game was over. So that just gives you an idea of of how much the Rams controlled the ball in the second half. They ended up being uh, 32.06 to 27.54 uh, at the end of the game. All right, since we're not going to have a, um, a Seahawks note table this week, short week in Thanksgiving, and I'll wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving, let's just get a quick preview, Brady, from what you can see Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Obviously, Gino's a big question mark as we sit here late Sunday night. Uh, Abe Lucas? Yes. Jamal Adams? Yes. Everybody? Yes. Uh, Lucas, that seems 50-50. He he was only limited two days practice last week and didn't practice on Friday. Adams, I think, probably has a better shot than that um, just because up to this point he has been playing with the injury, and I think the week off is obviously going to help him. With Ken Walker the third, I mean – Carroll said he didn't know about his chances for Thursday night, but that seems pretty unlikely to me, given that he couldn't even get back in this game after that first possession. And, and Carroll did, um, you know, call it a "quote unquote" legit uh, oblique strain. That's obviously Carroll's, you know, code word usually for injuries that are going to keep a guy out for some time. Brian, can they beat the 49ers on Thursday? You know, the only case to be made for the Seahawks beating the 49ers on Thursday is that for as often as Pete Carroll loses to Sean McVay or some game that he should absolutely win, he finds a way to beat Kyle Shanahan in games he shouldn't, and he finds a way to win games that he shouldn't. So that's the only, only thing. Now, I know that the 49ers also had a pretty big injury in their game and lost their all-pro safety Tyler Hufanga for the year. That team's three times as talented as the Seahawks team. So it's going to take a lot more than one injury to one safety to close the gap. But let's hope. Let's hope that, uh, you know, some miracle happens because otherwise this could be a real stinker uh, for, for, for the hometown boys. Brady, uh, get back from Los Angeles safe. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks very much, Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And my guy, Brian Nemhauser, follow him. Hawk blogger all week as we count you down to kickoff with the San Francisco 49ers. Happy Thanksgiving, Brian. Thank you. Happy Turkey Day, boys. Here we are together again with Lindsay Schwartz of Daniels Broiler, and it's hard to believe, Lindsay. It feels like yesterday we were playing golf in 80 degrees, and now, bam, Thanksgiving is here, and Thanksgiving, to me anyway, always reeked of Daniels Broiler. Hey, Mitch, yeah, Thanksgiving is here, Seattle fall weather is here, but it's Daniels time of year. It's uh, what better place to be in this kind of weather? What better place to be on Thanksgiving? We've talked before, it's our busiest day of the year and uh, we're pumped, it's coming up. So where are you? I know you're pretty much booked at most of the locations. We're going actually, we're trying something different. The Levy family is going to the downtown Seattle location and the Hyatt, your newest location, for the buffet. Yeah, you're right. We book up fast, like we've talked about before, and we're pretty booked up at uh, at the other three locations. You might still be able to find a spot here and there. But, uh, you know, the downtown location, it's our newest. It's also our biggest. So we've got lots of tables. And uh, at this point, we've still got lots of spots open. And I'm glad you're going there. The cool thing about that one is it's buffet style. So that's the only place where we do an all-you-can-eat buffet. Right. We've got everything you would expect for Thanksgiving. We got turkey and stuff stuffing and gravy and mashed potatoes and yams. But then we, you know, we're Daniels. So we've got a carved prime rib, carved smoked ham. We've got oven roasted salmon. Uh, We've got it all and it's all you can eat. So why wouldn't you? $75 at that location 
80 at the others. That's right. That's right. And the less shy location, the original Daniels Broiler. How many years ago? 40, 50 years ago? Yeah, we opened in 1980. So let's, uh, that USC math, I think it's, uh, let me get my second hand. Yeah, 40, 43 years. Is that right? And it's reopening because you've gone through a major remodel at the original location it's opening like thanksgiving day right yeah seriously and it's it's the first time that uh, we've done a major remodel we've done carpet and replaced furniture and paint and you know things that you do but this we've basically just wiped it out on the inside and redid it it's going to look completely different but of course still have the same awesome views even better views because we're we're uh, making some changes to the windows to make the view even more accessible so yeah i can't wait to see it's going to be great daniel's broiler for the holidays and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Here's the reverse. Time Northwest presents CBS College Football Analyst Rick Neuheisel, TacoTimeNW.com to explore joining the team, which includes compensation packages and perks and even signing bonuses for certain managerial positions. Takes like 10 minutes to arrange an online interview. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Richard Gerald Neuheisel Jr. How are you, sir? I am well. How are you doing? I'm very, very well. That was an exciting Husky win, was it not? Oh, my God. Part of the headlines. I'll read to you some headlines as I see them, and you can pick whichever one you'd like to start with, but I think we should check all of them off the list this week. Absolutely. The nightmarish Jordan Travis injury and its college football playoff ripple effect. Washington wins another nail-biter in the pouring rain. Michigan survives Maryland amidst this continuing saga around Coach Khaki Pants. New (laughs) New Mexico State gets a couple million bucks to play Auburn and then takes them out by the woodshed at their own place. We can start with any of those or one of your own. Where would you like to begin? Well, let's not bury the lead. Let's talk about our dogs. That great win in the inclement environment that uh, Reeser Stadium had to offer. You know, we just saw a game called Bedlam, the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game. And in that game, obviously, there's a big rivalry between the two schools, but it was more laced with, you know, some acrimony this year because Oklahoma's leaving. Oklahoma's off to uh, the SEC and Oklahoma State says good riddance, you know, never mind the the long one-sided <laughs> nature of this rivalry. Just we're, we're going to whip you. And they did. They got that victory and the way they celebrated. So I kind of felt like this game was going to have the same feel that Oregon State, given that they're sitting there now trying to hold the keys to the pack two and Washington's off to the, you know, the much greener pastures of the Big Ten that there would just be this kind of just incensed crowd that would just carry the Beavers. And yet I thought it actually provided Kalen DeBoer even more 
to tell his team that you better be ready, that this is not going to be your mother's Oregon State team. This is not going to be the team we found a way to get by a year ago when the weather wasn't so good. This was going to be a team that we have to play really, really well. Now, I'm not sure they did, but they played as hard as they played all season. And because of it, they found a way to win. So I, I thought it was a really good job by the coaches and uh, they got it done. The weather clearly not a favorable situation for a pass happy team like Washington. That's right. That's right. Dylan Johnson was was good. I mean, he wants that fumble back. That fumble in the first half was crucial. But at the end of the day, Penix and Odunze show they are a dynamic duo and are going to be dealt with in Las Vegas by somebody. Do you think for all the acclaim and all the great things that DeBoer and his coaching staff, his offensive coaching staff do, do they get away from the running game too much at times? Do they go seven, eight, nine plays in a row without handing the ball off to number seven? I think they're so used to kind of sharing the ball with all the other accoutrements to the offense. And McMillan was back for this game. I think they just wanted to get the ball into hands of everybody. And on this particular night, that wasn't the way to play. They should have handed it off more. And I think they'll look at themselves and kick themselves. Now, with that being said, here comes Washington State. And the championship game will be in inside. So I don't think it's something that they have to overly concern themselves with, but maybe file away for when they're in that kind of situation again. It was confirmed this weekend, Rick, that the Apple couple will remain. It'll become a September date between Washington and Washington State like we all thought it would be. I want you to go back to your time at Washington. And I want you to compare and contrast for me how you used to feel Apple Cup week versus Oregon week. What was the difference in the feeling for you as the coach and around the team between those two weeks? That's a great question. The Oregon week was almost laced with we didn't like them, they didn't like us whether it was because of the, you know, what had happened before, whether it was because, you know, Oregon felt like we, they were not respected by Washington. And that's why they keep showing that, you know, Kenny Wheaton interception it just wasn't much care for each other. They just, you know what, we're going to see if we can bloody your nose and we understand you're going to do the same to us. The apple cup to me had more of a tradition. The apple cup to me had more of a nostalgic feeling. And it just so happened that on one occasion, it was a chance for us to win the, the Northwest Championship, which I had coined just to kind of get us through, but our team kind of rallied around. And it was also a chance to kind of abruptly end all these dreams that that Cougar team had as they were like one, two or three in the country at the time. And we're getting ready to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, it was and, and beat their arch rivals at the, all on the same night. We won that game in triple overtime. And then the other time, if we win it, we're going to the Rose Bowl. So that was a, it was one of those games. We just, the, the stakes were high despite the tradition. Mm -hmm. It was, we need to win this son of a gun. And uh, we did, fortunately. Before we get off of Washington altogether, um, it wasn't a great night statistically for Penix at Oregon State. 
There's no question about that. I happen to disagree with a lot of the people out here on social media that are criticizing him, saying he played a poor game. I don't think he played a poor game. No, he that's threw, absolutely wrong. He threw he threw two touchdown passes. He ran one in. He did not throw an interception. He did not drop the ball. And about five or six or seven terrific throws that he made, considering the circumstances, were dropped, understandably dropped, by sure. his receivers. His numbers could have been a lot better. And the other thing, the other thing, Mitch, you can't tell watching television is what kind of wind we were dealing with. Right. Yeah. So where are we with Penix and Heisman and Bo Nix and and the guy at LSU? Well, where where are we at this point? The guy uh, in Eugene is doing Michael Penix a favor by just putting up these kind of video game numbers because they're on a collision course. For Las Vegas now, obviously Oregon still has to tangle with the Beavers in uh, in Autzen. That happens this next Saturday. I think if they get through it, and I'm, my expectation is they will, then you're talking about two Heisman guys going to battle in Las Vegas, and winner is going to be right there on the front lines of winning that thing. The fact that Nix's numbers are so good and Penix beat him, and they're going to get another go round. I think Penix can get do-overs for all the maybe statistically subpar performances. Who are the other considerations around the country? Jaden Daniels, the kid at LSU, is just ridiculous what he's doing. Now, that was against Georgia State this last weekend. So, right. you know, but he did it by and large a long portion of the game against Alabama before he got hurt. Then he went crazy against Florida. So, and he's got Texas A&M in this last weekend. So he's going to be in and around this. And it's possible that a guy like Marvin Harrison, if he has three touchdown catches in a game like this one coming up with Michigan, he could vault into that conversation as well. Let's jump into the Jordan Travis injury. And that changes a lot. Now, there's not a lot of results happening these past few weeks that are changing a lot because all the teams that need to win have been winning for weeks and weeks. That's and weeks. right. We've had very right. few upsets in regards to the top six or seven teams in the country. But in this case, we've got Travis and that tragic injury, which we feel terrible for the kid. They now have to face Gainesville on the road, Florida on the road, although I think Florida is going to have their backup quarterback. That's there. right. Graham Mertz right. broke a collarbone. Right. And then Louisville on a neutral field, there's a lot to ask. First of all, I have said earlier on in this podcast, I don't think if they win those two games with their backup, I don't think the committee has any choice but to put them in the Final Four, despite the fact that they're not as dangerous and not as good a team without their star quarterback. Do you agree with I that? I totally agree with that. Okay. I totally agree with that. Okay. And by the way, their backup, Tate Rodemaker, came off the bench and played beautifully ironically against Louisville a year ago where all of a sudden I thought it was one of Mike Norvell's signature wins and maybe is one of the reasons he's got the big contract now going forward. So Florida nearly knocks off Missouri on the road and now come back and host one of their arch rivals in Gainesville with the arch rivals backup quarterback. Do you think right. the first question is, do you think that Florida state will get through those two games without Jordan Travis? My guess is they will. They're going to be tested by Louisville. I think Jeff Brom, the head coach of the Louisville Cardinals, is really good. He's creative. And if Jack Plummer, who is the Cal quarterback, ironically, the Cal quarterback a year ago, previous to that, he was at Purdue with 
Jeff Brom. If he is turnover free, I'm going to take Louisville to win that game because Louisville's defense is better than anybody knows. And their running back, George Jordan, yeah. is as good a running back as we have in the country. But you just said that you think that Florida State will get through those two games. I, well, I'm holding, my, I'm hedging okay. on my Louisville Florida State pick. I'm hedging on that one. I don't think there's any doubt when it comes to Michigan, Ohio State, what Washington fans will be and should be rooting for. And here's what it is. First of all, we know that Washington, if they win both these next two weeks, they're in the Final Four, and they're probably number two or number three in the Final Four. The question is that we've been asking for weeks and weeks and weeks is can a 12 and one team still slip in the back door of the Final Four? And I think there's no bigger game on the schedule the remainder of the way than this one, Michigan, Ohio State, because my feeling is this Michigan is at home, Michigan is the favorite, they're supposed to win. Michigan is in the midst of these circling vultures and the investigations that if Michigan were to lose this game, and let's say it's not even that exciting a game, they lose this game and they post 11 and one, they lose the game at home. They're supposed to win against Ohio state. I would think a 12 and one Washington team would compare very favorably in the committee's eyes to that Michigan team. The, the flip to that though, Rick is if Ohio State loses close and they do it on the road at Michigan, I would have a lot more fear that Ohio State with the one loss, 11-1, and one, no Big Ten title game would somehow clip Washington at the tape. You agree with that assessment or not? Sound logic. Sound logic. Yes. It'll be easy to dispatch of the Wolverines as an 11-1 and one team given all that's swirling about. It would be easier to dispatch of them than the Buckeyes. No question. So having said that, who do you think will win the game? I'm taking Ohio State. Oh, you are? I, I saw Michigan look vulnerable against Maryland. Uh, listen, there were chances for Maryland to actually not just be in the game, but win it. Mm -hmm. They missed out on those opportunities. Uh, you're looking at a running game that, you know, by Michigan standards is not up to Michigan standards. They're, they're 55th in the country offensively, Mitch. Uh, Michigan is 55th. Their running game is not, I mean, neither of their great running backs averages five yards a carry. They're both underneath that number. So with that being said, I think Ohio State is the number three defense in the country. Now, remember, Michigan's number one. I think Ohio State can corral the running game and put it on J.J. McCarthy, who I think is good enough, but I don't think the receivers are nearly the equal of the receivers of Ohio State, and therefore I'm going to give Ohio State the edge. I'm getting the card ahead of the horse, but I got to know. Georgia and Alabama were about a week and a half away from that one. And that is another huge game if Washington plans to lose a game between now and the finish line for a 12 and one, a potential 12 and one Washington team. We we know for sure that would be in the you best. You have to have Georgia, Georgia win that win, game. Win the you game. have I, to have Georgia have to win have that game. Because Alabama would be absolutely impossible to leave out if they beat Georgia. And Georgia as two-time defending champs with only one loss to Alabama in the SEC title game would probably be difficult to say goodbye to as well. The, the most amazing scenario to wonder about is this one. Florida State wins out. Whoever wins the Michigan-Ohio State game wins in, in Indianapolis. Alabama beating Georgia. Texas winning out. And, and Washington. Washington winning out. Who, who sits home? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I, crazy. I, I, it, w- it would be crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Let's do some work and identify those that were doing some work thanks to Taco Time and Taco Time Northwest. I know for a fact he's going to take the ball, and I know <laughs> for a fact he's going to score. And I, and I know exactly where he's headed, but I'll let him say it. Go ahead. You want the ball or you want to kick off? I'm taking the ball. We're going to the desert where Bo Nix put on a show. He was bodacious. I thought you were going to go Jerry Kill. No? Oh, Jerry Kill. (laughs) I'll leave. You you can't kill Kill. You can't kill Kill. That's where I thought you were going. Jerry Kill. I Well, Bo Bo Nix and six touchdown passes in the first half. I mean, that's doing some work. Yeah. That that's an incredible deal. That was against Arizona State, who just beat UCLA seventeen to seven. That that was a heck of a, a showing. Now Jerry Kill, the New Mexico State Aggies head coach, who took him to a bowl game last year and has already qualified for a bowl game this year, can flat coach. He's been to Northern Illinois. He's been to Southern Illinois. He was at Minnesota. Had to step away because he had epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Ended up can't staying away, ends up becoming an assistant athletic director somewhere in the East Coast, then goes back and helps his buddy Gary Patterson to and gets becomes the interim head coach when Gary Patterson gets shown the door after he was knocked aside during a scuffle after a game with the SMU uh, Mustangs. And he's back in it. The guy, you can't kill, kill. And they found that out on the planes. So you got Bo Nix, you got Jerry Kill. And somewhere in Baton Rouge, there's a guy saying, hold on a second now. Yeah, exactly. I had 509 yards and eight touchdowns, and I can't get mentioned on Mitch Unfiltered. I don't care who I was playing. (laughs) I had 509 yards and eight touchdowns, for God's sakes. Incredible. Incredible the numbers that that gets putting up. You know who he is. When you watch him run, the next time you watch him run, you'll, you'll, you'll find the comparison. He's Marcus Allen. With as a 73% passer. Oh, Jesus. By the way, only real football fans will remember that Marcus Allen had a great passer rating himself. They used to toss him the ball and he'd throw the ball, and he had a lot of time. I think he had a perfect passer rating in his NFL career. Every time he threw the ball, it was for a touchdown. I just want to yeah, throw people that out. also don't remember that he was a fullback for the great Charles White, yes, who was. won the Heisman back in yes, 1979. You got Jerry Kill, you got Bo Nix, you got Jaden Daniels, and I'll just say this. My little high school was in the national news twice this week. New high school. Twice, not once, twice. Tiger's son, Charlie, led the Benjamin School to a state high school championship. His father, by the way, Tiger Woods never won a state high school championship, team championship. Now his son has done it on a golf team that I played on 38 years ago. Okay, that was in the news. And now this, Jordan Travis, the injury. He was the Benjamin School quarterback just a couple of years ago. He was on route to a 3,500-yard 30 touchdown year with only two interceptions. He may have been on his way to a trip to the Heisman ceremony, may not win it, but might have been uh, involved What's in the, the ceremony. What's the nickname of the Benjamin the Bucks. School? The Bucks. The what? The Bucks. The Bucks. The Benjamin Bucks. The Benjamin Buccaneers. That's right. So I, gotcha. I'm going to do a taco time tip of the cap. You can have Daniels kill uh, Bo Nix. <laughs> This was a really tragic injury for this young man. And I feel, oh. t- I know, I know he went to my high school, but 
such a sad thing that he can't see this through now and he was carted off like that. So my taco time tip of the cap is to Jordan Travis after an incredible couple of year run as the as the quarterback of Florida State. It's a wonderful story. I uh, hope it's not the end of the story. Hopefully he'll return and be as uh, as sensational as he's been all season long. And it really the entire time there at uh, Florida State, you know, when I first saw him, I said he's a great athlete, but he can't throw. And he's just absolutely blossomed in front of our eyes and, and uh, a marvelous kid started his career at Louisville after, of course, the Benjamin school <laughs> and actually went and told Mike Norvell that he wanted to move to wide receiver. Mm. And Norvell yeah, told him, no, 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 no. You're a quarterback. Wow. Trust me. You're a quarterback. And he said, on your way out, look to your left. There's a guy over there by the name of Charlie Ward. You're going to be like that guy. And uh, he darn near was. He darn near was. Damn. What a great, uh, a great story. I hate to see it end the way it does. Now, listen, another great story is Rick Neuheisel in his Rick's Pick segment on Mitch Unfiltered had fallen to two games under 500 in the middle of the college football season. And all a stud does is look at adversity and squarely in the eye, go out on a four game winning streak to get to two games over 500 you said I'm taking Washington plus the points in Corvallis you were right again that's four in a row and now we get to the 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 stretch run of the college football season where are you headed next well you had it in my hands I I kind of thought that Arizona team is hot right now and down in the desert they're going to play the Sun Devils but that number jumped a little bit and I like Kenny Dillingham and he'll have some tricks up his sleeve. So I'm going to stay away from that one. Okay. Although for those who are paying attention, think about those wildcats. We're going to the Southeast portion of the country again, Clemson and Dabo Sweeney said, you better get as much stock that you can get right now. They just knocked off North Carolina. They look good doing it. Their running backs are both healthy. Uh, Maffa and Shipley. It looks like Klubnik is not turning the ball over. They get South Carolina. Remember Beamer ball and South Carolina beat them at Clemson last year. There is a little revenge here. It's a seven point line, even though it's in Columbia and this uh, South Carolina will be the home team. I'm taking Clemson and lay in seven. All right. And we'll talk to Rick Neuheisel after Thanksgiving, after the Apple cup and on the, on the verge of all the conference championship games next week. A happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Rick. Thank you again for all that you do for Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, Mitch. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving to one and all. Hey, it's time for a visit with Zeke's president, Dan Black. And Dan, there's an obvious first question here. Does your son, Hank, fully comprehend that he could have been at a national championship contender and Heisman frontrunner had he stayed at home instead of being a trader and going off to Austin, Texas? Does he understand this? <laughs> You're hitting on one of my favorite subjects right now, Mitch. This is a this is good family uh, trash talk going on right now. Yeah, he does realize it now. He loves being a Longhorn. As you know, Austin's pretty fun. You were just down there. but And, and he's a proud Longhorn, but he, he's, he's a 
a true blue Husky too. And so, you know, he was twisted up last year when we beat him in the Alamo bowl. And now of course he's loving what the Huskies are doing and sure. Longhorns are having a great season too. But yeah, let's put it this way. The, the Huskies in the family trash talk the uh, Longhorn. <laughs> Speaking of football season, last time you were on, you told us about a football promotion that you're doing at all the Zeeks. First of all, how's it going? And second of all, how about reviewing how we can participate? Yeah, no, it's going great. Pigskin 10 is super popular. People are using it. Um, and just to refresh what the deal is, is if you use the code pigskin10, you get $10 off your order. Pretty simple. The order needs to be $40 or more before the discount. So $30 after the discount. Right. Uh, but the cool thing is you can use it as many times as you want during the season. There's a limit once per day, but you can use it as much as you want. And so use it whenever you're watching a game, watching the Hawks, the Huskies, whoever. We're getting a lot of orders with it. So it's popular. So it's Thursdays. Saturday, Sundays, Mondays. Is that right? Yep. What we call it football days. So Thursday night football, of course, college games on Saturday, NFL on Sunday uh, and Monday night football. So yeah, Beautiful. football days. Good, and, good reminder. And the code is pigskin10 for $10 off of all orders. And it's the fall and football season. So do me a favor before you go. Highlight one of Zeke's specialty beers that stands tall this time of year on that incredible menu of selections. Yeah, no, it's, it's fresh hop season right now in the fall that coordinates well with football season and fresh hop means that they take the hops right off the vine put it right into the kettle and so you get really a nice fresh hop feel mm -hmm. so we got two of them single hill lateral a fresh hop and uh varietals everything is blossom fresh hop so those that's those are the recommended beers right now that's awesome zeke's pizza from seattle all the way to boise homegrown in the northwest unfiltered can complain all the time about things that are happening in my community, but why not be that change? Why not be that voice for the people that also have the same frustrations as myself? So why not step up and be their voice? You know, don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. I'm looking at you because I'm trying to figure out where this is bullshit or <laughs> this is true. Episode 263 of Mitch Unfiltered. And wow, look at her. We have a dignitary on the show, ladies and gentlemen. She's no longer Tracy Taylor with backseat traffic. I'm going to cry. She's no longer Tracy Taylor on TV doing traffic and weather. No, I'm going to cry. She's mm -hmm. now Auburn, Washington Councilwoman Tracy Taylor, who doesn't just defeat the incumbent. <laughs> you kicked his ass. Uh that had me worried there for a little bit. Why? I'm not going to lie. Why? Just because. I mean, he's the incumbent. You take on the big dogs, you don't know what you're going to get, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it was, it was a pleasant surprise. I'm very excited to serve my community. I'm happy to be a part of the, uh, the city council. Council member elect sounds very, very weird right now, but I love it. Oh I'm really God. excited. How did this happen? <laughs> how many people voted? Tell me how many people voted. Was there like Oof. 12? Was there thir oh, yeah. 39 and a half? How many people <laughs> voted? <laughs> of course it was 39 and a half. You know, I, to be honest with you, um, ballots are still kind of coming in. Um, everything will be official by the end of November. But mathematically, it looks like Team Tracy pulled out a win. It was a smoke so. show. Somebody once described it as a smoke show. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was great. I mean, I, I truly wasn't expecting this win, and I'm super happy about I it. I wasn't either. Really? You weren't? You, you didn't believe well, in me? I Thanks, mean, Mitch. No, Appreciate no, 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 no. It's not a question of believing in you. It's hard to describe my feelings right now about this. Okay. 
I'm proud. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. I'm proud. Okay. I'm excited for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. impressed. I'm very impressed by you. Oh, but that's I, nice. But I'm surprised. I thought this was like a brave step and a new challenge for you. But I didn't think you were supposed to actually win. And oh. now, and what do we do next? How, 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 did, did you, you didn't expect to win. I I did not know how this would go. I really, I really did not know how this was going to go. I worked a long time in TV and radio, wanted to win an Emmy, was nominated six times, never won. So when I threw my hat in the ring here, I said, you know, let's serve the community. Let's get back to it. Let's give this a shot. And uh, people want change. They want direction. They want to see their community thrive and succeed. And they believed in me enough to vote me in. So I'm happy about that. Your butt is fried over this Emmy thing. Oh, yeah, I'm really... I cannot see you have any conversation with you without you bringing up that, A, you were nominated six times for an Emmy, and B, that you won exactly zero. Who was the soap opera star? There was a soap opera star that never could win the Emmy. Susan Lucci. Susan Lucci. Do you think I ever won an award? I feel like you have. No. But I can't off the top of my head figure out which one it is. I've never even been nominated for an award. No, I I don't. No, I don't think I've ever been. Why are you so distraught over the fact that you never won an Emmy award? Why does that mean so much to you? I think it kind of validates the work that you do in your industry, you know, but you won. I thought I did. I did. I did. The people want change and they wanted they wanted me to do that. So I'm excited to work with the mayor. I'm excited to work with the other council members. I think think it's going to be great. I think this is going to be the right step for Auburn. So I'm very excited. This is absolutely nuts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to say it. It's was it a polite contest? I'm hearing rumblings (laughs) that your opponent wasn't all that warm and fuzzy during the process. Is that a fair assessment? I, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. He just didn't, he just didn't want to. Look at you. He didn't want to look at you. Yeah, (laughs) that too. (laughs) Did he ignore you? Yeah, there was a couple of times that he did. But, you know, I mean, I guess when maybe it wasn't what I had to say wasn't important. I don't know. I don't know. What happened on Twitter? What do you mean what happened on Twitter? Didn't you write something on Twitter that you, oh. that you had to take down or that you. Yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't a good look, you know, and it just made me look bad. No, and so what I, did you write? I want to know. Our listeners want to know. What did our <laughs> friend Tracy Taylor write on Twitter in the middle of this process that you took? No, down? it was just it was it was in bad form and bad taste. And uh, I know better. The 20 year old Tracy would have left it up. <laughs> well, what was the for, what the was 40 it? year old Tracy? Well, I mean, if you come, saw it, you saw it. No, come on. You're on Mitch. This is unfiltered. The freaking title of the show is unfiltered you can't filter that out what did you uh, write what'd you call him i just said that you know i was disappointed that what i had to say wasn't um good enough for his attention where the rest of the council okay. members gave me their attention so well, why is that so bad that's not bad people were like thinking not. that you called him a name or something no oh no uh-uh no, no. I'm, I'm above that now well, that, I, no you're not what <laughs> why did you have to take why did you have to take that down that's it not just, bad at all it was just bad form why? It just is. You know, I mean, you want to run a clean race. You want to run a clean campaign and to throw daggers at each other, throw yeah. mud. It's just, yeah, it's just really, it just shows your character. So so tell me what, read for us the congratulatory note that he has sent you since you beat him 
and you kicked him out of his chair. I, I want to hear exactly what he wrote to you or about his call to you, because I'm sure he texted you or called you or wrote you about you winning. Do you have cricket sounds? I don't know. <laughs> you haven't heard from him. Mm-mm. No. Has he conceded defeat? No. Uh, there is a 17, a little more than 1,700 vote difference. So I don't believe so. Mathematically, well, I don't believe so. The number of votes doesn't mean anything to me. Tell me about percentage. It's a 60-40. Um, You're up 60-40. It, it's a kill. Yeah, well, it's like it's, it's 40. Blowout. It's a yeah, blowout. He, Come on. He's putting in the reserves. You're putting in the reserves. It's a blowout. It was a, it was a good, clean race. I'm really happy oh, about stop. what what we did. <laughs> the campaign for Team Tracy was uh, we we had a really good time. What 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 is it that you intend to do now? How are you going to clean up Auburn? What's the problem? I saw. Is there a street racing problem in Auburn? That's um, there is some. Yes, there is some. What is it? Uh, it's street racing is happening in every city right now. Really? Um, oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, Seattle, especially too. Clearly what it comes down to is we need to support our police department. We need to get them the correct and proper resources and tools that they need to succeed. But ultimately, I think there is a bigger vision for Auburn. I think that the former council and the current council coming into 2024, along with the mayor, um, we have a we have a good, clear vision on where we want to see our city. And I'm excited to get to work. Roll Mm. up my sleeves and get to work. Okay, this is so weird. I'm just going to say it. It's weird. Is Emerald Downs in Auburn or is that in Kent? It is. Yeah, I know. It's in Auburn. You're not taking Ron Crockett's name off the street, are you? What? No. Why would we do that? better not do that. Did you have money for this campaign? Did your opponent have money for his campaign? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Well, both of us did. I mean, obviously, you have to fundraise for yourself. I am really good. Mitchie, this is the thing. I am really good at fundraising for the nonprofits that I'm involved in. You know, Seattle Animal Shelter Foundation, the Auburn Valley Humane Society. You see it all the time on all of my socials. I do a lot of community service. That's Mm -hmm. the person that I am. But when it comes to fundraising for myself, I'm not a very good advocate in that way. Like, I don't like to ask for money. I don't like to ask for donations. But if you believe in me, that's what I was like. Please, if you believe in me, help me fund my campaign so I can get off, you know, off the ground and get moving. Right. And I got some amazing endorsements from Laborers 242, the union. I love them. They're so great. They helped me door knock and sign wave. I was so grateful for that. Um, Master Builders Association also um, endorsed me, which was wow. really super exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to working with them in 2024, a more on affordable housing and whatnot. Building Trades Union also endorsed me. The Firefighters Union endorsed me. So all of the really good good supportive people that know and believe in team Tracy supported me in this campaign. I saw the video of you waving on the corner. Where the hell yeah. was that? You were just standing there waving to in the cars. pouring rain. You mean? Yeah. Was it in the pouring rain? <laughs> it was in the pouring rain. <laughs> As cars went by, you just waved. Team I Tracy. Do. It was great. Do you think? That, yeah. And by the way, can we say officially now hmm. that your relationship and your history with Mitch Levy Mm. And the Mitch in the Morning radio program and Mitch Unfiltered <laughs> did not cost you. You were so worried. Yes. I think you even in our last visit, I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to tell everybody. You called me or texted me and asked me to take something out. I don't even remember what it was. Did I think I there that? was a couple. There is a couple of things that were a little a, a gray area that we should probably. You asked me to filter Mitch Unfiltered, didn't you? 
And did I do it for you? What I you do, did. And how many people would I do that for? Nobody. <laughs> but I'm I'm your girl, and I've always been your girl, and I've always oh. stood by you. So that's the reason why. I that's see. the reason why. So no segments that we did on the old show, no relationship that we had on the old show, none of the mm-hmm. fun and the pranks. Oh, the fights and the, the pranks. Fight. Yeah. None of that ended up costing you the councilwoman's chair in the no. city of Auburn, Washington, right? No. Uh-uh. Okay, no. Good. I look at it this way. That was what? How old was I when I first started on the show? I was 22, right? I thought you were eight. I feel like I was eight at the time. If you think about it, that is a part of the past that just needs to be left there. I have a big and bright future that I'm very excited about. That kind of hurt a little bit. No, I didn't mean it to hurt. I mean, I mean, there was a part of you want to you want to put everything in the past and pretend like it never (laughs) happened because you were so young. Is that what you're going to do? No, there was just a lot of lessons that I learned Mm -hmm. um, being on your show, Mm -hmm. how to handle myself in certain circumstances, how to be the bigger person, um, how to trust people. That was a big, big lesson on the show. But most importantly, I think, if anything, it was the relationship that I built on that show. I mean, our relationship as friends, we've been friends for forever. Um, and then uh, some of the former producers and, and, you know, former hosts of the show, too, co-hosts of the show. Mm-hmm. That was the, the biggest thing that I can take away of those 20-something years that I was involved with the show. Is Schmitty from Somerville going to be on your staff? That's not going to happen, no. <laughs> I believe he doesn't live in Washington anymore. So, no. Listen, Schmitty is Schmitty. And yeah, there was some bad blood there. But, you know, that was, again, many, many years ago. So I think we've all grown up and moved on from that. He voted maybe. He voted for the incumbent. He voted for I'm your opponent. <laughs> he moved to Auburn just so that he could vote for the incumbent. So what happens now? This is a four-year term. Yeah. Is this a full-time job? Do you have to quit no. your job in the mayor's office of Kent, Washington? Or no. How does, uh-uh. it, how does it work? I think what it comes down to is, no, it's not a full-time job. It's a part-time job. You serve your community um, all the time, really, mm-hmm. in this kind of position. You talk to the constituents. You talk to business owners and... Um, and every, I mean, you talk to everybody and you're involved in some sort of form or fashion. You learn more about policy and ordinances. You work with the directors in each department of the city to not only improve, but to elevate a lot of their programs and services, too. So it's um, it's going to be a big job, but I'm really excited about it. But it's part time. You get paid to do this, right? It's not a volunteer Correct. position. Yeah, right? no. Mm-mm. It's a part time yeah. gig. Yes. Is what it is. And yep. four years from now, you could run again. Right. To retain your seat as the incumbent. Mm-hmm. Or you could go off to a private life, back to a private life, or or you could do or, something else. Sure. You, you could, could run from mayor or oh, governor or oh, something. Are, you, are you, know? you making the announcement right here? No, I am not. No. <laughs> I just got elected to city council. We're, let's one step at a time, Mitchie. One okay. step at a time. Who is the current mayor of Auburn, Washington? Let's get down to the nitty gritty, Taylor. Who's um, the, what's the name of the mayor of Auburn, Washington? Mayor Nancy Backus. And where did Nancy Backus come from before she was mayor, Taylor? She was also a council member. Oh, she yeah. was a council member mm-hmm. who became yeah. mayor, didn't she, Taylor? Yes, she did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, we are fortunate in Auburn to have a really amazing mayor. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I really I like I like Mayor Backus. She's pretty great. Notice that Tracy Taylor, my longtime friend, who said, She's just going to keep Mitch in the morning in the past. 
Oh, she wants that to remain in the past. She's older and much wiser and mature now. Notice that she hasn't busted my chops in the last 20 minutes for not taking her out to lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, why have you not busted my chops for not taking you out to lunch? Because you finally paid up on it oh. and you took me to lunch earlier this week. So oh. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Did you have fun? I did. Was it everything it was that you thought it would be? You haven't changed at all. Your so hair I, is the same. Everything right. is the same. Thank you mm-hmm. very much for that. Schnoz um, is the same. Everything. Oh, thank, thanks. You know, council people should not be taking shots at <laughs> podcast host schnozzes. Okay. You shouldn't be doing that now. Got it. You got to decide where we had lunch. Right. And you picked a restaurant called Oddfella. It's a great restaurant in downtown Auburn. Their fish and chips are amazing. Was there any message that the restaurant that you chose for me to join you at was Odd Fella? <laughs> no. Okay. I've had a complex all day. I came home and I decided I need to get my therapist on the phone. Oh, she took me to a restaurant called Odd Fella. I mean, how blatant can you be? Uh, you're not an Odd Fella. <laughs> not at all. Okay. But it's actually, it's one of my favorite places to go okay. in downtown Auburn. Yeah. And we had fun. We did. When, we was got, last, we co- when was the last time we saw each other? 20 years? We have not seen each other for 20 years? I think it's about 20 years, yeah. Oh, my God. Since I left the show, or yeah, since I left the show is the last time I saw you. Really? Yeah. We've never been in a public place at the same time? Like No. No? Uh-uh. 20 years since I saw you. It, yeah, it's had to been because, yeah. Did it seem <laughs> like 20 years since you had been with the odd fella? At Oddfella? Oh, God. I mean, no, it felt like old times. You know, like, yeah. it felt like when I would roll into the studio and yeah. we would just chat, yeah. catch up. Yeah. It was good, though. You still need to meet the husband, but, you know, that's fine. Oh, now I'm going to hear about, no, I didn't come to the wedding in Spokane. You didn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Sent the invite, everything. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the interview. Uh, <laughs> she's councilwoman or about to be councilwoman of Auburn, Washington. Tracy Taylor, and we're all so very proud and impressed. Tracy Taylor on episode 263. Thank you, Tracy. Do I get to have my face up on the back wall there, too? I mean, you got Hot Shot and you've got, looks like Matt back there. Is my face get back there? I've got all the people who haven't put me in the past up here. Oh, oh, those are shots. Shots fired. I get it. These are all people that are proud of me and proud of my past. And they haven't, uh, they haven't uh, left me in the past like certain guests on my show, episode okay. 263. I've <laughs> never left you in the past. Love you, Mitchie. Thank you, Tracy. It's J-Flow time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J-Flow? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Price is right. Here we go. Oh, I'm great. Uh, you're doing all right. Tough times, big numbers, challenging rates. What can you tell us about buying and selling homes these days? You know, rates are high. It is a challenging market, but it is a good market for the buyers we're working with. They are not having to compete still. 
The rates are elevated, but they are getting homes at prices where they're not having to elevate. So it's a good time for buyers and real estate is always a great investment during inflationary times to hedge against inflation. So yeah, still a good time. And you were telling me before we started about Fannie Mae. Tell our listeners. Yeah. So they just came out about a week ago and uh, made it possible to buy three and four plex properties with 5% down. It used to be 25%. Now, if you're looking to buy a primary residence as a three or a fourplex, you can put a minimum 5% down. And then the beauty is you can use the other two to three units that you're buying to use the rental income from those and use it as the income to qualify for purchasing that asset. So fourplexes, you can borrow up to one and a half million dollars now in this market. So 5% down on that and use the income from it to purchase it. So great opportunity. And for all of us who need some help, whether we're buying or selling or refinancing, we're going to call the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage because your team is the best. How do we reach you on your phone? You are calling me or texting me at 425-890-2957. And that's the direct line for Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Where would we be without them? Unfiltered. You like that? I do. You like that? I, huh? I, I actually, I JM do. likes that. <laughs> oh dear. All right, we got to tell the story. You have to. Well, first of all, we got to say hello. Mm-hmm. People haven't heard my voice in a long time. They've heard your voice occasionally. Occasionally. It's good to hear it your sounds voice. Sounds like does. Yeah, it's really good to hear your oh, voice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, there's a story behind this music. It sounds like Fool in the Rain, doesn't it? It, uh, it fooled me. <laughs> it fooled me for it a second. It sounds like Fool in the Rain. Yes. So uh, this is episode zero of the podcast, the Unfiltered Podcast. That's Jason Hamilton. I'm mm-hmm. Mitch. And so what are we doing here? This this is like an exhibition game. This is like a preseason game. This doesn't count. Doesn't count. We're not really doing the podcast. What we're doing is we're testing all the equipment. We're testing my ability to mix all this stuff together use the equipment You're you look you look good I'm, I'm checking you out there behind the mic you got the board you got the computer you look tech savvy in 2018 that's what you, <laughs> that's what you look in other words i look the way that i never wanted to look <laughs> my entire life oh dear so so we're gonna do this podcast and I've been teasing it on Twitter and sending out pictures of microphone. Well, we're doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I know that you think that that's funny. I know that everybody thinks that that's funny. Why not? I even had lunch today with none other than Matt Slickhawk Mickles. Did you really? And he saw me and he looked at me and he just started to laugh. And I said, <laughs> what are you laughing at? He said, Podcast. So everybody's laughing. Right. And I'm sensey poo. Right, right, right. Very sensey poo about people laughing at me and my podcast. All right. Because I think I've been misinterpreted, but we can get to that in a second. So this is the podcast, but this isn't the debut edition. This is this isn't the premiere. It's an exhibition. It's an exhibition. Said. Okay. We're testing equipment. We're seeing if the mics work. We're seeing if I understand the software, if I understand how to publish this. Like if mm-hmm. people are listening to this right now, if, if someone out there is listening to this right now, I have two thoughts. One question, which is why? Right. Why is anybody listening? To right. This? Secondly is that means I did something right. 
that that podcast zero works and you can ring the bell. I wish I could I, ring the bell. I'll find your bell. Yeah, we need to ring that bell. I got to be careful because the former employer doesn't want me to do anything that <laughs> that's kind of like what I used to do. Okay. All right. So um, anyway, uh, so episode zero, that's what we're doing here. And ultimately, we're going to debut this thing. And you and I have to talk about, maybe not on the podcast, when I should debut it. Mm. And uh, you're going away and you're going to have bus rides. That's a little sore. Do people even know about that story? That's a sore subject. See, we're not supposed to really talk about anything substantial, which is kind of 22 years of my show. (laughs) We're certainly not supposed to talk like Seahawks or my 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 life and my problems in the last year and a half and we'll get to all of that in the premiere so we're not really supposed to do much in the podcast episode zero all right all right but i just tell the tell oh. the quick tell the quick ver- you're at auburn at auburn Washington. just got absolutely drug okay <laughs> lose by 22 yeah not in the game yeah after the first bucket yeah tough game yeah learning lessons abound we are leaving the arena at 11 p.m. local time to catch a chartered flight, which is at an airstrip about an hour 20 away. Okay. Get on the bus, 40 minutes into the bus ride. Boom. Like you hear it. You like hear a, a screeching. Like, what do you hear? Like a bang? You hear like a pop and then a screeching and a high pitched noise and then nothing for a second. And then a little bit of a rattle of the bus and then some screeching. And then it's pretty obvious that it sounded like a tire had blown. And then people are saying, yelling up to the front, hey. How many people on this bus? Just oh, the team? Yeah, the team, the staff. Okay. Um, so then like, hey, pull over. We got a, we got a flat tire. It right. finally gets, right. gets to the point, right? The bus driver finally pulls over after driving a considerable more distance. Yeah. Okay. By the time he gets to the right side, there's smoke coming in the bus and the players are freaking out. No. So then it becomes a little bit of a chaos, like get off the bus, get off the bus. And the guys in the back where now the smoke is starting to come in are freaking out and they want to get off. And so it almost like it was like a stampede situation, but you have to be like, Hey, calm down, calm down, get everybody off, get everybody off. Coach hop is yelling, get off the bus. So we all file out. There's like a little ravine on the side of the, the road and then yeah. a hill. And guys are going off the bus, running through this ravine. Are you guys afraid the bus is going to literally explode? Explode. Really? explode. Really? Okay. So by the time. Now, I- did, did we let Crisp off the off the bus? Oh, geez. See, see, see how unfiltered <laughs> Mitch becomes? No, this is episode zero. Episode, okay, no, uh, this doesn't no, no, count. No, no, this no. is exhibition. <laughs> yes. Okay. Everyone is safely off the bus. Right. Okay. Yeah. And literally 10 seconds after people are off the bus, boom, the entire back of the bus oh just my God. flames, engulfs, oh my God. engulfs. In flames. And what time of night is this? This is now about midnight. Are sirens? Are people coming? No one. We are on a highway at midnight on a nobody's on a, coming. On a Friday night. No one. Immediately, Coach Hop gets on. I think Tony Castrocone. Everybody's calling nine one one. The problem was nobody knew where the hell we were. <laughs> like what? What exit? Where on the interstate were we? And so. Well, people had to be driving by. Driving by. 
waving southern <laughs> hospitality just just waving uh just, just on their way on their way to where their destination yeah and uh, i'll wrap this up but 20 minutes later 15 minutes later the fire truck comes ambulance comes they get the they get the flames out um you know, wow. guys that left their stuff on the bus that were Do in the back. people know this story? Has anybody told this story? You know, it was, it, Noah Dickerson put it on Twitter of the back of the bus on fire. Yeah. And a couple of news outlets picked it up. Percy Allen wrote a little thing in the Times about yeah. it. Coach yeah. Hop talked about yeah. it yesterday briefly. So let me ask you just yeah. a quick follow-up yeah. question. Suppose you guys are out on the bank while you're watching the and everybody's safe and nobody's getting yep. hurt. And I don't want to joke about something that could have injured, but everybody's healthy. Everybody's good. Yep. At that point, do you think they'd foul up three <gasps> see, or see, see how you are? See how you, you are. Think at that point, Hop would, I, I, as I've been told last night, he was trying to foul up three. That's what everybody keeps telling me. You just gave me a look. You gave me a podcast look. Uh, I don't this know. Is podcast. This is episode uh, zero. I, We're not supposed to be talking about Well, because it doesn't count. It's too, subs- it, too substantial. It doesn't count. This is not supposed to be a substantial okay. episode. All right. Okay. So, um, We're safe. That's a crazy oh, it was, story. It was one of the wildest travel stories I've- Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there it is. And so how long did you stand there and get it? Two hours. Till another bus came. Two hours from the time we got off the bus till another bus came, yeah. which- then we almost weren't able to fly out once we got to it was the too air. late at that point. Yes. There's curfew. Yes. Oh man. It was, it was wild. It was wild. Wow. Well, you're going to have to tell that whole story over I again. Will. You'll, on, you'll the, put, on a real episode. On the, on the premiere episode, okay. maybe in the premiere or the second episode, but you know, work on that. Will yeah, you? I will. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's sharpen up your, your storytelling. The delivery. Skills. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually it was very good. It was very good. So this is episode zero. Um, Jason Hamilton, Mitch, it's called Unfiltered for now. We've got logos. We've got websites. We're going to be on, ultimately, I believe, iTunes and all these places. I don't know any. Uh, the podcast thing, I'll, I'll save my Sensi Poo podcast explanation mm-hmm. for the premiere episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, if, I if you actually I, publish this and actually yes. people can listen yeah. on those mediums, iTunes yes. and others, then yes. then maybe we have a podcast. Yes, we will. Okay. But, uh, but I am, I, I do feel like I should defend myself well mm. probably shouldn't because people just want to pe- people just want to laugh about the fact that i'm doing a podcast sure and you know what maybe because you're just... mitch anti-podcast that's why you're mitch the anti-podcast no, I'm not. guy yeah no. <laughs> that sounded really no i'm not <laughs> that sounded sensitive but i, I yes i'm sensi poo but um i think i'll either i'll save it for the premiere my explanation of what i really was and am in terms of podcasts mm-hmm. or i just won't say anything and I'll just let people laugh at me because they, they I deserve to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. And I think the podcast thing is funny for people. Mm-hmm. And maybe my explanation will ruin it or ruin the giggle. I don't want to ruin the giggle. No. Who wants not. to ruin the giggle? No. Right. No. So people might be wondering who are listening. I, I still can't believe anybody's listening to this. And maybe they're not because we haven't been able to figure out how to publish it. <laughs> but but if you're listening to this, I, I suppose that something that we can talk about in, in episode zero, that's not substantial enough to where we have to wait till the premiere, but substantial enough that it matters mm-hmm. is our plan. Yeah. You have incredibly graciously, and I mean that now I'm going to, as we work together and we've worked together for a long time, you're going to have to know when I'm serious and when I'm not serious. Okay. I'm very serious about this. You have, you have shown an interest from the beginning to do this. Correct. And you've got a million things going on. I have exactly 
zero things going on. And yet you're willing to sit with me a couple of times a week or more to do this to sure. talk like we used to on the radio mm, and so i thank you for that and i and, I, and you were the you were the first or second or third person <laughs> that i thought of when i decided to do this yeah um so what are we going to do well i i kind of wanted to charge people for this because max needs a new pair of shoes every time i turn he's got like 12s now and yeah, yeah. 13s and you know i i just can't stay i i he's going to college in a couple years yeah, there's, there's there's stuff yeah, there's, stu- there's I, stuff I, I figured i'd charge people for this right. and then somebody who's consulting me said that would be good charge the four people and get their get the four people's money yeah. and then let's see how much of, <laughs> co- of, of max's college fund you actually yeah. pay for yeah and I said, really? They said, yeah, no, we're, we're not charging people for this. You're going to give this to, to people who have been waiting for your return, people who enjoyed you. You're going to do this. And you may make some money on this thing someday. You may not, but you're just mm. going to do this. And you're going to do it like just about every other podcaster. You're going to allow people to hear your voice again. Yep. So, okay. So that's what we're going to do. Good we're going to do a couple. We're going to do it's a good move too. It's a great move. You think so? I do. I do. I think a yeah. You need to be back behind the microphone. You need to yeah. be. How does the a, microphone a, look? It looks good. How's you sound good. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah, hey, it's good stuff. Yeah. You need to be. You need to be doing this. Yeah. And I think the more people that can hear it and yeah. enjoy it and listen to it, the yeah. better. Yeah. Versus the who knows how many would, you know. Do you suppose we have to be any better in episodes one, two, and three than we are now for people? Well, if it's free, no. Okay. Well, it's free. I just got finished telling yeah, right, it's free. Right. Okay, so that's the first thing. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a twist. Mm. There's a little bit of a twist. So there's this thing called Patreon. I don't know if you, I, I told you about it. You I don't know if you, if you had heard of it. It's an opportunity for listeners who enjoy what we do to actually contribute. It's like it's like public TV when you're watching like a concert of, of uh, Barry Manilow and they come on like halfway through weekend in New England and I'm pissed. These people come in and they say, if you like what we do, then you got to give us money. That's right. So the Patreon people said, well, you can do that, but what you typically need to do, people, and artists do this all the time, rock bands, musicians, struggling, whatever. Yeah. People who are not known, uh, they, they they set up these accounts, and if people like their work, that they can share. It's like a GoFundMe, yep. right? It's GoFundMe. So the Patreon people say to me, but Mitch, here's the deal. If you're going to do that, typically, the people who do that, they give a perk or two to those that actually spend the five dollars a month or ten dollars a month or whatever they get yep. um and i said oh yeah so w- w- you want like t-shirts sure. so you what would my, that be you want me to come to the house and deliver pizza <laughs> i mean there's going to be so few people that do this maybe i could arrange that because yeah. i got nothing going on and uh the idea that came to my mind is at least for now because this is episode zero. None of this has to be official. We can change anything. Yeah. Once we go to episode one, we can't change anything. Oh, is that, is that, is that part of the deal? It's set in stone? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, what I thought I'd do, or we would do, a combination of I and we, mm-hmm. is every so often we would just do a bonus episode. Maybe a short one. Like the, the real ones that are going to be two times a week, probably Mondays and Thursdays, are going to be somewhere around 45 minutes to an hour long. Because I, I don't have much more to say than that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and your stories, you know. My stories aren't good enough to. Yeah, to, yeah. they're good enough, yeah. but they need a little work. Uh, <laughs> so uh, 
I'm thinking that, you know, let's say, let's say Tiger Woods wins the Masters mm-hmm. and you and I are watching at our houses. We jump on the, I could put you, you could come over, you could be with Sadie, you could hang out, we can go to Daniel's, we can go somewhere. Somewhere. Do a, or I can put you on the phone and we can just do, we can kibitz. Okay. Do you know kibitz? Sure. Kibitz and bits? Yeah. You know kibitz? <laughs> that's that's okay, not can, the same thing. We can kibitz about Tiger Woods on Sunday after he wins, and we can post that, and that will be a bonus episode only to those that are called patrons. And it's funny that I call them patrons because right, that's what, the Masters. The masters. Yes. I didn't mean that, but that's that's just that was a lucky segue. But but um, and we can do that after a Seahawks game or after a trade or every. If I have something to say, I can do it without you. I can uh, I can call just good somebody. Bonus content. I could call Ben Wright. Ooh. My guy, Ben Wright, after mm-hmm. a, a, a Masters, and I could just interview him for five or ten minutes, yeah. and I could tweet out or yell to the people, however I'm going to get the word out, hey, I just did a bonus episode with, with Ben Wright. You're still going to get our two times a week with Jay Ham or whomever, yep. whenever you're available. Yep. And But here's a bonus thing for those that are patrons. And that's Love the it. perk. That's the t-shirt. Love it. That's the me coming to the house to uh, deliver pizza. Deliver pizza, yeah. That's a fair idea, Yeah, right? absolutely. So so I'm going to reward those that that are uh, nice enough to... Uh, it's a fantastic to, to, idea. To, to fund the program. I like the patrons. I like Patreon. Patrons. That's, that's good. That's what that's it is. That's good. That's what it is. Um, what else? So we're going to do it a couple of times a week. We'll do it a couple of times a week. And um, that fool in the rain thing. Can, we t- can, I, can I tell the story? It's I'm, a little. It might be too substantial for for episode zero. Maybe I should wait till pot to episode one. I to think tell you the should story. probably wait. You could. Well, te- we got a lot to you do in episode tease. one. I know. I I think. Um, I want to. I want to hear from you in episode one. I'm going to. I'm going to be. I'm going to be a listener. I think. Well, a lot, no, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me. Uh, a lot of that. I'm going to. And be what a Jason is, of course, referring to is I'm prepared. I have not. Outside of the written word on Twitter, I've not talked too much at all yeah. verbally about what happened 15 months ago and what my life has been like, not only since, but what my life was like before. Right. And um, that's going to be a hard thing. I'm just warning you, you may want to quit the podcast now. I mean, this might be no your way. last episode. That's going to be a hard one for me to get through. I'm going to need I'm going to need help with that. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to do the very best that I can to open up and share with people um, and maybe in hopes of someday helping someone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And by the way, I don't want people to think, and I'll say this on episode one if we ever get to the post, um, I don't want people to think, oh, Mitch is going to address this and then that's it. Right. This is a part of my life. It's a part of my story. I will not be reluctant at times when, if this podcast has, you know, if it's not like, unfiltered for six weeks and then we get canceled sure. somebody come cancels us sure uh at, at, at given times when it's appropriate I, I will i don't have any problems bringing it back up mm-hmm. it's not like i'm okay that's it right. now nobody asked me about it i'm sure. never talking about sure. it again. it's not going to be that way but i do feel the need as you and i have discussed to uh to really open up and share with people my innermost feelings and thoughts and messages since what happened happened Okay. Looking forward to it. Okay. Um, at this point, we can either tell the fool in the rain story or just end for now. I think we got to, I, I think the fool in the rain needs to, to go in the real, not an exhibition. This yeah. is a play that you use right. in the game. You don't right. want that. You need to. Okay. That's too solid. It's too solid of a story to, for an exhibition. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask one Husky related sure. question? 
who do they who can they beat out of conference now to put on the resume at the who do they got you you're going away right by I mean, the by the way when people are listening to this it may you may already be away no 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 but it, i don't know when people are going to listen to this right they could listen to this a week from now well so. let's just put it like this in, what are their best in, chances in context so some some pre-thanksgiving games yeah okay yeah would be three games against santa clara minnesota and texas a&m Minnesota so, just beat a Pac-12 team, did they? So, the other night? Yeah, I think I think last night while you were at the game, they were they were killing somebody from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 had a bad night last uh, night. Carolina beat Stanford, but we, we yeah. need to get away yeah. from the, okay. the dates. Yeah. yeah, okay. But who else... Oh, that's right. I said last night. Who so. else we could potentially beat is Virginia Tech in... Buzz. Yeah, in Atlantic City. Yeah. And then obviously... You know, at Gonzaga, which would oh, be that would be the one. Yeah, that would be. Uh, so they're running one. out of quality chances. At least, I mean, tier one. What do they call it? Quad, like, uh, quad yeah, one. Chance. But I think the strength of their schedule overall, with the road games, and you know, Is you the play Pac-12 going to at ha- Auburn help them or hurt? No, them? I don't know that the the conference. We're talking way too much about. We this, are you know? all right. This is Episode too substantial. This zero. Is, I think has gotten get, out of hand. Yeah, <laughs> it's gotten way out of hand. We're not supposed to talk okay. about these things. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say goodbye now and uh, testing you want to do a test on your mic is uh, the mic check yeah one mic two check. three yes. four is this okay uh it's called unfiltered and we look forward to being with everybody uh when the uh when the podcast actually premieres okay Indeed. that's enough for now here we are again with Fireside Home Solutions owner John Waterstrat. How are you, John? Doing great, Mitch. Thank you very much for having me on again. It's nice to have you back. Football season in full swing. That means a few things, like it's time to evaluate your old fireplaces, chilly temperatures around the corner. Question, how do I know if I need a new one? Is it appearance, functionality, or both, John? It's probably a little bit of both. We always talk to people about, hey, how long have you had this fireplace? You know, what's your usage on that? Just taking a look at it. If it just doesn't look like it's doing what you want it to do, call us up. We can have one of our service technicians come out and do mm-hmm. a quick evaluation, give you some recommendations. And if that fireplace is and it just needs to be refreshed, we'll do that for you too. If it needs to be replaced, they'll hook you in with one of our sales staff and We'll get that taken care of for you. Is it a little more complicated if I want to incorporate a fireplace into an area of my home that's never had one? To be honest, yes, I think it's a little harder, but it's not a full remodel. You have to kind of decide on what you want. If you don't have a fireplace and you want to do something freestanding, have that done in a day. If you want something framed up, be there and kind of be part of your room. We can help you with that. We have contractors that can help you with that. We can look at the fireplaces and see what you would want. And then we can hook you in with the contractors that do the tile and other things that are available. So I know you want us to come out to one of your showrooms. I'd like to know about the reaction to that newly remodeled Bellevue location, John. Yeah, it's been great. It's been uh, inspiring for all of us. Uh, I love people to walk in and see that first fireplace we have in there. It's a fireplace that has glass on all four sides. It's almost like a floating fireplace. Wow. You'd be wowed by it. But uh, yeah, just come on in and be inspired and you yeah. could be a kid in a candy store. <laughs> John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions. Just a terrific part partner of Mitch Unfiltered and the presenting partner of our fourth annual Beat the Boys competition this football season. Where would we be without John and FiresideHomeSolutions.com? Unfiltered. 
Episode 263, it's the Other Stuff segment with Hotshot Scott. Go ahead. Paul White, known as the Big Show, a pro wrestler. You may have recognized his face if you saw him. He's like 7'2". He's enormous. Andre the Giant is all I know. Well, it's funny you say Andre the Giant because... Yeah, he's bigger. Well, he's, he's not necessarily bigger, but something that might have never happened, him returning to the ring, if not for the NBA star name Xavier McDaniel... You is remember it, the X-Man? Is it Xavier or is it Xavier McKinney? I'm not really clear because he was X-Man. X-Man. Yeah, it kind yeah. of threw the whole From thing Wichita off. From Wichita State? Well, Le- leading rebounder and scorer in college basketball in the same year? Not yes. many have done that, it. That Xavier McDaniel? Yes, the, the star X-Man? of the movie Singles, if you ever saw that movie. Yeah, I did, but I don't remember the X-Man. So this guy played basketball at Wichita State, the big show, okay? And he he wanted to play. He wanted to go to the NBA. He's like seven yeah. feet tall. Yeah. Xavier McDaniel basically said to him, look, you should probably go into pro wrestling. You're going to be the, he said, listen, you're going to be the only white guy that gets cut from a Japanese team. Let's go. You need to go to pro wrestling. And this guy's like, no, I love basketball. It's my whole life. Yeah. X said, you should go to wrestling. Be Andre the Giant's son. You look just like him. Oh, he does? Close enough. I mean, yeah. it's seven foot, you know. Yeah. So he calls Vince McMahon and the guys, he's like wrestling hall of famer. But of all the people to give you career advice about the X-Man. what you should do, the X-Man told the big show, listen, you know, basketball is not for you. I've been in the league five years. Trust me. Go be a pro wrestler. And God, the rest is history. Hot shot headlines. The Mariners are not interested in engaging with free agent Shohei Otani. Okay, that makes sense. He isn't in their offseason plans. Big headlines. <laughs> Who and needs a, him in your lineup? <laughs> and other headlines, I've got a big nose. <laughs> yeah. Other headlines, Scott is a troublemaker. There you go. Yeah. Other headlines, I'm socially awkward. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the headlines. Uh, I guess it's better than the whole... Let's pretend we're interested in Shohei Otani, and then when he signs somewhere else, we can say, oh, geez, we missed it by that much. We tried. We were in the bidding. Yeah, I guess that's true. That would be torture for Mariner fans to think you have a shot, to think you're in it, and then to have A-Rod go take four times the money or yes. something somewhere yes. else because you weren't even They're close. not in it. Congratulations to our guy, Julio Rodriguez, did you see? He finished fourth in the AL MVP voting hotshot. Good for him. Shohei was first, Corey Seager second, Marcus Simeon third, and Julio fourth. He had 275 with 88 wins for the Mariners, 275, 32 homers, 103 RBIs, 37 stolen bases. He's already a two-time All-Star at the age of 22. I think maybe the bigger story is that J.P. Crawford got votes. Wow. Imagine that. Now, if you said at the beginning of the year that Julio Rodriguez was going to finish third or fourth yeah that wouldn't be so hard to close your eyes and visualize not at all but if you told me that jp crawford was going to appear on ballots <laughs> for the mvp yeah i might have lost again a lot of money you would have lost money if i said will jp crawford be fourth or get any votes as the mariners mvp like of the team <laughs> you would have you would have said no way yes. are you crazy he appeared mvp on some team. ballots for american league mvp and by the way one quick note about Julio. You know that his contract is written in a way that MVP votes count to how much he makes. So now he's got two top 10 finishes mm. already, which means his club option now goes from eight years, 200. It goes to eight years, 240 million. It was eight years, 200 million. But by finishing in the top two, we're at eight years, 240 million now. So he can pay he's, his bills. He's going to be okay. He's going to do okay. He's going to do okay. Big weekend in Vegas. I don't know if you knew or not, or if you're following no, what was going no. on in Vegas over what the happened? weekend. 
Well, nothing like a little competition to make sure your hospitality and care team members stack up to other professionals in the biz. Just ask this year's how. Just ask this year's athletes at the Housekeeping Olympics in Las Vegas. Really? Did you know that was a thing? No. A fresh batch of hopefuls hit Vegas over what? the weekend for the 33rd annual Housekeeping I-E-H-A Housekeeping Olympics. They came, the people came from all over North America to flex their domestic skills at Mandalay Bay's Michelob Ultra Arena, mm. which became a battlefield of brooms, beds, vacuums, and buckets. Competitors dazzled in tasks such as vacuum racing, bed making, and mm. mop relay, just to name a few. Congrats to the Bellagio. Their team won. Oh. <laughs> their, their, their housekeeping team won. There's a video of it. They're like vacuuming races and shit. Like who can make a bed the fastest? It's kind of funny. Forget F1. This is what I would go but to But when Vegas they're doing for. your room, you don't care how fast they do it. Just do it right. That's the thing. You would yeah. like for them to do it right. But yeah, when do you a complete job. But when you work at the Take Bellagio or the MG, you got a lot of rooms. Now when I stay at the Bellagio, every time I leave, I'm going to say to the lady in the hallway, yeah. hey, take your time when you go in here, okay? <laughs> no need to rush. And you're a champ. You don't need a tip. Forget it. Tiger Tiger Woods is back. Did you hear? He announced he's going to play tournament action in the Hero World Challenge, which he hosts the event that's coming up next week. It'll be the first time that Tiger Woods has played in a, a big PGA tournament since he withdrew in the third round of the Masters. He's had fusion surgery on his right ankle since yeah. then. He's got arthritis from that car wreck in 21. He's only played in five tournaments since that that terrible accident that nearly took his life, but he will be back. Congratulations to his son. I think I already mentioned it on the show. And the Benjamin School golf team, Charlie Woods, <laughs> state champion. He finished 28th. Are you following the uh, the Carissa Thompson story? Weird, right? Kirkland native. Is that right? Yeah, I think she went to like Juanita or Inglemore. Or... She's a local girl. She's I didn't definitely... know that. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, Carissa Thompson really stepped into it this week when on one of her podcasts she said that she made up stories when she was doing the sideline reporter during NFL games. That confession, not the greatest of ideas. No. She has been raked over the coals yeah. by every, just about everybody in the sports media world, in particular the current set of sideline reporters, most of whom are women, well, I are mean, outraged. When Tracy Wolfson comes at you, Tracy Wolfson you've done something her. wrong. Okay, so this is what Carissa Thompson said. You tell me if you think it's bad. She said, I would make up a report sometimes because the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late, and I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up. That's what she said. Uh, Andrea Kramer, you ever heard of her? Sure. As one of only three women in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I'm sickened. By the insulting mockery being made of sideline reporting. Lisa Salters, ever heard of her? Yeah. ESPN. Shocked, disappointed, and disgusted, she wrote on Twitter. Tracy Wolfson at CBS says, this is absolutely not okay. Not the norm and upsetting on so many levels. I take my job very seriously. I hold myself accountable for all I say. I build trust with coaches all and right. never make anything up. Living on Mount Pius, everybody. Laura Oakman says, the privilege of a sideline role is being the one person in the entire world who has the opportunity to ask coaches what's happening in that moment. I can't express the amount of time it takes to build that trust. Devastated with the texts that I'm getting <laughs> after all of this. Really? That's Catherine Tappan of NBC oh, says, God. deplorable. Oh, man. I hold myself to the highest standard in everything oh. I do. 
heroes. Anyway, they're all heroes. People are calling for her job. She's got some big jobs. She's got an Amazon job on Thursday night. She's got a big Fox job. She's got podcasts. People are calling for her head. How dare she, A, make things up on the sidelines, but more importantly, brag about it on a podcast. Now, she's since come out and defended herself. Yeah. I mean, she said, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Yes. And, and you know, if, if if you're young and in the business and you're a sideline reporter and you know they're going to throw to you and the coach didn't come out and you have nothing. Yeah. What the fuck are you supposed to do? <laughs> Say you have nothing? Is that going to go well? You're just going to get fired and never... Like, I mean, I, in a way, I, I kind of get it. Now, if she said, I constantly make them up, this sucks, it's a joke, sports is stupid. So you think classic overreaction to all this? I don't think it's devastating. I wasn't... No. Deplorable. I, was, I wasn't devastated by her, the news well, that you're she not, might you're fib. not a sideline reporter I, who want to be taken seriously. You're not in that role. Maybe your perspective would be different if that was your job. Maybe you're telling me you wouldn't be different. You, didn't, I, you wouldn't care. I, what is she supposed to do? Like she said, there was a circumstance. You, that, you tell you tell your producer, your director, I don't have anything. I didn't talk to a coach. When, it, maybe it was too late. I, I don't know. I think people are getting a little carried away with okay. wanting her head on a, is it a pike? Is that what it's called? A platter. Pike? Well, no. What's the thing that sticks on the ground and you put the head on top? Not oh, a, I don't know. That's a pike, right? Okay, he, a pike. Head on a pike. Anyway, I have a lot of RIPs. Do you have any RIPs? No, I got some other things. Yeah, go ahead. RIP. Go, go, go. Just when you thought you've heard every possible reason for suspending a college coach, did you know? The defending champion Ferris State of Division II okay. played a playoff game versus Grand Valley State. They lost Saturday, and their coach, Tony Anessi, was not allowed to participate. Would you like to guess what, what violation yes. sent him to the showers? I would love to know. He was suspended for players lighting cigars in the locker room after winning the national title last year. So his team, Ferris State, Wins the Division II National Championship last year. Yeah. And they're seen in the locker room smoking cigars. 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds. And yeah. that's it. And that's all it took? Yep. I've noticed now that like sometimes when, mo- done. You know, when movies come up, it says, you know, a parental suge- you know, guidance. Yeah. Suggested. Yes. Swearing and violence. Yeah. Now it's cigarette smoking is one of the warnings now for kids. Really? Kit- yeah. They're starting mm-hmm. to add that. By the way, in addition, Ferris State had to pay Stupid. a $2,500 fine and $15,383 in cleaning and repair expenses <laughs> Really, for the, for the damage that oh. the smoke cost. Imagine what some of those 70s baseball clubhouses used to smell like. All those guys are smoking cigarettes Well, they weren't 18. Then. Right, but I mean, I'm talking about the whole cleaning yeah. costs. Oh, like, oh my God. those guys play 81 games, 82 yeah. home games. You know games. what they need? They need the Bellagio housekeeping staff. You are not kidding. <laughs> Call them. They'll All work. Right. RIPs, what do you got? Suzanne Shepard, who had key roles in The Sopranos and Goodfellas. Okay. She passed away, according to her family. She appeared in 20 episodes of The Sopranos as Mary DeAngelis, the okay. mother of Edie Falco's character. And she was also Lorraine Bracco's mom. And do you remember Goodfellas? Karen, Karen Hill? I do. When when when, <laughs> when her and Henry are living with them and he's staying out all night and mom gets all yeah. mad here. You're here a month. Sometimes I know he doesn't come home at all. What kind of people are these? <laughs> Do you remember her, her, her whole screaming? Your dad hasn't been able to digest a good meal in a month. <laughs> she was awesome, man. Suzanne Shepard. So okay. 89 years old all for right. her. Okay. You got any? Do you have any? I've got a few. Okay. Dana Carvey's son, Dex uh, Carvey, 32, an accidental God. drug overdose. Do they have to call it accidental, by the way, on a side note? I mean, does anyone try to overdose? No, I guess it's it's a little, a little redundant, yeah, right? Yeah. They always say that accidental because of the guy over there he wanted to od well i guess some people try to 
Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing Died is... by suicide. That God, it's, and then yeah. I, I read the thing about toxicology reports coming out. We all got to know what happened. What did he have in him? Yeah. We'll, we'll soon know. But I that's... got George Funky Brown at 74 oh. years old. The the cool and the gang what? Drummer? Drummer yeah. yeah. Died one of, of the, lung cancer. One of the founding members. He wrote many of their songs. Love like, them. Saw ladies, him in concert. I saw him in concert. You know, Ladies Night. Ladies Night. Yeah. And they're feeling right. What about Too Hot? Too Hot. Too hot. What, yeah, gotta I, run for shelter. Yeah, gotta, gotta run for shade. Yes. Great too song. Hot. Yeah, he wrote too those. Too hot. Yeah. Well, he was a co. I mean, he oh. was a founding member. Uh, Jungle Boogie, Celebration, Cherish. Yeah. Uh, when asked to describe his music, Brown always replied, "The sound of happiness." And he's not wrong, right? When you hear "Cool in the Gang," you just yeah. always put you in a yeah. good mood. Those so. are the only two I have. Rest in peace to him. I have former First Lady Rosalind Carter. Yes, I tried on Sunday. That's right, during the football games I saw that. Boy, yeah. long been married. 96, to, 98? 96, year, uh, 96 years old. She was married to him for 77 years. Yeah. By far and away the longest married presidential yeah. couple in U.S. history. So rest in peace to her. And then veteran actor Peter Spellos. This guy's huge on the Comic-Con circuit because he played the voice of Skybite on the Transformers Robots in Disguise cartoon oh, series. Yeah. He was also on a show called American Dreams. He passed away at 69 years old. Headlines! Speaker of the House Mike Johnson admitted that he and his son monitored each other's porn intake. I don't know if my dad has seen the fucking Sopranos, okay? <laughs> God! A statue of the Virgin Mary is reportedly crying in a Mexico town, which some are taking as a miracle. Spokesperson for the statue in Mexico said... It's not a miracle, and the crying's most likely from the goddamn fajitas or the ice or the salad bar. Can't tell. A judge rules that adult film star Ron Jeremy can be released yes, to a residence, a private, private residence, residence, sure, yeah. due to his deteriorating deteriorating health. That includes dementia. If he has dementia, just keep him in prison and tell him he's in a private residence. Sorry, a sympathetic figure if there ever was one, I know. How dare I go after him? The Arctic permafrost is a thousand years old. Uh-huh. And as it thaws, scientists worry what it might unleash. Oh. No big deal. In my mom's freezer, it only unleashed the actual ice cream flavor underneath. And finally, <laughs> an Ohio mother has been charged with endangering children after her toddler fired a gun in a crowded Walmart. Just another senseless incident that could have been avoided. And I think it's time to officially ban all toddlers. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving Woo-hoo. week. Yes. Thanks so very much to all of you who put up with this nonsense each and every week. Episode 263. Have a great time with your family. Surround by loved ones. Go Huskies. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that because they're playing the Cougars this week. So maybe I should take a more impartial approach to the game. Enjoy the Apple Cup. Just enjoy that Saturday. How it's about be a blast, Seahawks man. over the 49ers? That can't happen. That ain't nah, happening. Seahawks over the 49ers on (laughs) Thursday night. Boy, would that be Don't get crazy. Come Uh, on now. (laughs) Episode 263, ladies and gentlemen, in the books.